Nick went down. Unbelievable. Yes, yes, that's actually and is now OOP, as they say in dog racing, out of picture. In terms of the college football championship, there, there would be almost uh, no way that uh, these uh, committee people, even if they bring back Condoleezza Rice and uh, she accepts the bribe from Jose Suleiman, there would seem to be no way that you could somehow work Alabama back in the equation. Is there with two losses? And, and, and possibility that uh, they would have four losses on the season. Well, you can't. You can't say that because they won those games. And your man Jimbo, what what's he on? Like a nine-game losing streak? That, that's unbelievable. Jimbo Fisher. I don't know how much they've lost in a row. In a... They have not played well the entire year. <laughs> Jimbo, like they're talking, his buyout's like fifty million, and they're considering. It. <laughs> like that's how bad they're. Imagine that. Fifty million dollars they're going to give this cat to fail. Go. <laughs> wow, wow. Did we all make some bad career choices? We should have just been failing college football coaches. The time. Wake up with Defoe, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. And a fabulous good morning, everybody. Great to be with you here on the Defoe Show. Jeff DeForest and one Mike Luby Lubitz. And we're here on South Florida Live. Appeal yourself off the map Monday after another brilliant weekend here in South Florida. Hope you guys had a great time wherever you happen to be tuned into the show, wherever you're listening. And uh, good to have you with us uh, as we peel ourselves off the mat after, well, I mean, most of another football weekend. Still one more game to go, the Monday Nighter, which uh, has been dreadful at best uh, for the most part. Uh, who's engaged uh, this Monday night? I didn't even look at that, uh, Mike Luby Lubitz. Still licking my wounds here from uh, the weekend's <laughs> activities. <laughs> after an, a NFCS rare... cla- an NFC East clash. The Commanders. Oh, Commanders, the Eagles, that's right. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. I will be in a place where I can not only bet but watch with other people who have bet the game live at uh, Harry's in Atlantic City. I will be in a sports book tonight taking in the game. And I would imagine with the Eagles going, trying to preserve their undefeated record, uh, the close proximity of Philadelphia to Atlantic City, although you find more New York Giant fans in Atlantic City. Jet fans to a lesser degree. I think the Giants kind of own that area. The Philadelphia Eagles, though, uh, just an hour pop down the highway there is Philadelphia. So you do get a lot of Philadelphians uh, in Atlantic City at any time of the year. And it's a pretty tight, I mean, uh, sort of cozy arrangement there in in the sports book at Harris. They have a bigger, more elaborate one at the Borgata, but I'm not inclined to venture out in what will be 30 degree temperatures to uh, check that game out. Even if you're taking the old Jitney bus, have you been to Atlantic City in a while? or Never, never, huh? never, never. Never. Been to oh, Jersey, wow. but I've never been to AC. Never. Not sure if Atlantic City would be your bag necessarily. <laughs> uh, it, it's, I don't know that it's even the poor man's Las Vegas. Vegas, okay. when you're in Vegas, you, you have escaped. It's the Disney World of degeneracy. Yep. You, you've escaped completely. Everything in Las Vegas is about degenerate gambling, mm-hmm. entertainment, yep. that sort of thing. You're constantly in a casino, even if you don't want to be. Uh, when you cross the street you have to go through a casino to get across the street the traffic has to stop as you enter the flamingo it's that kind of place where uh, you're all in you're just johnny chan you're shoved all in you've detached yourself from the regular universe from any form of reality that you normally are dealing with and you're in a gambling environment Uh, the entire time i'm in atlantic city or uh, vegas but vegas especially all you're doing is calculating your bankroll that's it 
You're saying I had 700 when I woke up this morning. I lost a deuce over there on the uh, video poker machines at the bar while I was sucking down what I thought was going to be a free drink. And uh, then I bet a couple of horses arbitrarily, even though I was being bugged by the wife at the time. Can we go and do something besides gamble? Now, in my situation, that's really not the case. Because uh, one thing that we have, uh, I, probably the, the best and most symbiotic thing about my relationship with the Mustang is as soon as we hit a casino floor, we go our separate ways. <laughs> she disappears. I disappear. That's it. And we usually have some kind of prescribed time, which we rarely hit, where we're going to meet somewhere in case telephone communication somehow gets cut off. Right. Because every now and then you're in a bad spot in a casino. This happened to me at the Hard Rock, right, where you're calling, you're calling, you're calling. Hey, are we going to the show? What are we doing? Which had we missed that Adam Sandler show, it probably wouldn't have been any great loss in terms of my uh, overall entertainment quotient. During my lifetime. But anyway, off to Atlantic City. That's going to be fun. And it is nice. I mean, when you're in uh, a sports book where there actually is action on the game and the people are all, uh, you know, riveted oh, no, to it. Nothing better than watching a game under those circumstances. Where normally we'd be half passed out on a couch there and thinking, geez, you know, I got to get up at 530. So, you know, why don't I just fall asleep at halftime? I probably will uh, go the distance. I'm sure I'll go the distance on this uh, game tonight. The Commanders, and I, I believe they're getting 11. At least I'm getting 11 in my personal bookmaking proposition, oh, and I need every one of those points. 11. Well, good, for, good for Francesco. 11 is what I see. Uh, his lines have been more accurate of late. I mean, he makes the occasional mistake, but he fires off so many bets that uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how I got out of college football <laughs> Saturday. I was getting bludgeoned there, and I was looking at his selections, which I'm stuck with the other side regardless. Uh, no argument. I just have to take it. Uh, and I thought, wow, this guy might sweep the board on the college games. But uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. He ended up going four and five. But, but he, he, he won the first four yesterday on the board. And I thought, wow, I'm in deep shit uh, with this one because I'm going to go 0 and 8. And there's a week every year where after he's been getting buried the whole time, I think I should parlay all of his picks because there's going to be one week where he hits them all. Yep. And I thought about, imagine, well, what's an eight-team parlay play? Oh, Jesus. Now, he would have lost it because Jeff Saturday's Colts managed to beat the Raiders. Way, how bad yeah. are the Raiders? Wow. Rough. Josh McDaniels, how is that possible that he could be this He's horrific horrendous. as a head coach? I mean, have like zero. I don't know if it's luck. What is it? Is it bad coaching? I Anybody think it's not good. I mean, they, catching the Raiders? they were supposed to be a playoff contender. Fine. Maybe they don't win the division or whatever. They got Devontae Adams. They're and, horrendous. Uh, they, they, they were supposed to be <laughs> putting them on their way. They're horrible. They fired Mayock and uh, got rid yep. of all of that, uh, you know, pie-in-the-sky nonsense that he was always spewing out about verticality and this and that and leverage this. and They leveraged him right out of there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you thought, well, there's a shot. And they go ahead and make a ball move. They get Devontae Adams. And uh, you're thinking, all right, well, if Carr can't play with this guy, then remember that was one of those preposterous sports talk debate questions. So we, we threw it out there at the beginning of the year. Who, who's under more pressure that this you talk about, uh, you know, I mean, contrived debates, who's under more pressure. And it was uh, Aaron Rodgers without Devonte Adams, mm. which he's been under some pressure mm. or Derek Carr with, with. Devonte Adams. Now that he has this uh, great receiver is a time for him to deliver. And uh, they are delivering one giant, well-rounded Rodan sized egg. So far mm. two wins on the season for the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, that's been a disaster. But uh, other than that, a, a great day of football. Unbelievable. Uh, the Dolphins, of course, big winners uh, yesterday. Their, their offense, 
I mean, the only thing missing is the over-the-top bomb on a consistent basis. I mean, Marino used to, uh, and uh, that was another thing that came up, is two of the best quarterback the Dolphins have had since Dan Marino. Oh, yeah. I, I think the answer right now is just a flat-out yes, yes. Yes, I mean, come on. Far and away the most effective quarterback that they've had. They've uh, won virtually every game where he, he's been a participant throughout the whole ball game, start to finish. Yep. The three losses that they incurred, he was compromised in that Cincinnati game and sat out the next two. Yep. And so they, they've won everything else. And, and they're sitting there at 7-3 and three going to the bye week with Houston coming out of the shoot. But when they get back into action and, and an excellent chance to be sitting on the doorstep of achieving the over. If you don't hit the over, you over betters that we recommended that you go over eight and a hook. If we don't hit this over, then there's no reason to go on living. I mean, seven and three. Now it's a 17 game season. That was the thing that really struck me when that yeah. number came out. It was a very tepid eight and a hook. And I thought, wow, I mean, they, they won nine games last year when they weren't very good. So how could they lose? I mean, more games this year than, than they did a year ago when Brian Flores was the coach. They bring in this uh, guy, uh, McDaniel, who really has opened up. I mean, wow. They may not have the deep ball on a consistent basis, but they sure have the middle of the field under control. Do they not? Unbelievable. Uh, the passes that are completed in the middle of the field to uh, a variety of guys. I mean, uh, they're adding in guys that, that are part of the offense. It seems yes. Like. Yes. No, they become are. Catalysts. Yeah. yeah. This Jeff Wilson kid uh, has been an unbelievable Big. pickup off the 49ers, and they traded away kind of a schmanky, unproductive running back yep. and got this guy who all of a sudden is like McCaffrey out there. <laughs> He's been unbelievable. I mean, Raheem Mostert keeps uh, continuing uh, to round into form, uh, the form that we saw when he won the MVP of the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago at San Francisco. Yep. Ironically, or not coincidentally maybe, uh, you know, you have uh, McDaniel reunited with two running backs and the running game all of a sudden is a lot more dynamic than it was. The offensive line, say now, if oh they can God. block for the running game, isn't that the thing that usually inspires an offensive line to protect for the passer yes. where they're able to smash a few guys and get some runs going? Yes. And then the pressure isn't so immense, so they're able to solidify what their pass blocking ability is. A lot of that seems to be coming together at the right time yeah. for the offense. And they can score enough points to overcome whatever deficiencies they have on defense at this stage against lousy teams, albeit, I'll give you that, you know, not to get uh, overwhelmingly excited here, Mr. Uh, you know, Dolphin Denny, but I mean, it looks good. And, and a lot of the things that we thought were going to be true about this Dolphin team or, or actually we're crossing our fingers, hoping we're going to come true, uh, definitely have uh, come to fruition and uh, they, they have a dynamic offense. And I, I don't think anybody can, uh, you know, declare otherwise and, and be considered to be reasonably sane. Uh, election deniers, maybe. You would have to be an election denier. You would have to be Carrie Lake to look at the Dolphins' offense and say, wow, they're not very good. Oh, no, I mean, there's no what do you think, Willie? No, they're and and fun to watch. Very game. entertaining to watch. That That's the other part of it. Look, it's something that was – the, the thing that was an issue for me with Tannehill is the opposite with this team. Like, fourth quarters, you had to be concerned, and third downs. Third and long – which is usually the defense is down, usually an automatic. It, it's it's almost automatic. They get it every time, third and 13, third and 16, third and 14. And I'm like, oh, my God. what? And before I can even bitch, first down. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and two is the, the epitome of calm every time. Like the dude, no matter what, they literally, they the game was perfect yesterday. They were coasting for a win. Horrible snap, catches it, goes down, doesn't think twice, get up. Second and long, they get a first down. It was like, 
okay. Like, they're just humming along, and that's something we're not used to seeing with the Dolphins. And it's literally what you've asked for since I've known you is at least be exciting. They're now not only exciting, they're good, which is something that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, capable of being explosive, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know they, they they can drive the ball. Uh, yep. They just they have a lot of different uh, answers to uh, situations and a lot of different choices that they can make. And they keep bringing in new guys that are yep. effective catalysts in what it is that they're doing offensively. So the offensive philosophy seems to be very sound, even with the uh, proverbial. And it seems like they've been playing this way forever, going all the way back to uh, Kuchenberg's retirement with a patchwork offensive line. Yep. And while it's somewhat patchwork, uh, no, it's, it's working better. So uh, that was yeah. great. Big win yesterday, seven and three. If we lose this over on eight and a hook, <laughs> I think we're all right. I, I get we'll have Jets. to blame Mayo. That's it. We'll blame Mayo. We really will because yeah, I understand the Jets he got are, on board with us. Are improved, but you'll get the Jets at home. I understand the Patriots. Um, I guess we you play the Patriots there, but that, that should be a game that you have a good chance at winning. The Packers aren't a juggernaut anymore. Like the second no. half schedule isn't as scary as it once Forty Niners have their suspect yeah, areas, like, even though they won last night. Outside, they'll play the. I guess they play the Eagles at some point, so that that's not easy. But the rest of the games are all winnable. Like there's no look. I'm targeting eleven, twelve wins, so there's no reason they shouldn't get nine. We only need two, Luby. Yeah, they we should only two. get nine. There's no reason why they shouldn't get nine. Two and five gets the money. Two and five. I mean, what a great position finish. to be in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, yesterday, uh, another amazing day of finishes in the National Football League. And uh, you did it again. You were outside the, uh, what was the yeah, FTX arena? Great ending. No longer. the now bankrupt arena that yeah, the uh, Miami Heat playing. <laughs> nameless arena. <laughs> what are they going to put uh, in there as a new sponsor? Wow, that, that was funny. They pulled up stakes real fast on that. That was quick. FTX boy. cryptocurrency. Uh, now, what happens to all the people that had investments in uh, FTX? I don't know. El Finito? They're done? They're just out of Well, the of problem is you're not, your question's a valid question because it's not only FTX is a crypto. FTX is a cryptocurrency exchange. So FTX is like a stock exchange. So, okay. like, it's not only that they're a company that went bankrupt. They have other companies and other listings under them. So how many people were invested in all those? Yeah, I, I thought about that the other day, and I'm like, I don't. What happens? Like, what happens you in our lose your money? Is it made off, <laughs> made off city here? It's just it, it evaporates into thin air. That's a great question. Kind of like uh, you know, real estate, uh, you know, values uh, going back to 2008 when uh, one minute you were holding on to a multi-million dollar portfolio of real estate, and the next minute you were bankrupt. Unbelievable. Well, you, I mean, you didn't own the shirt on your back. Is it at that stage? I, I don't know. I, I, what, what happens to the people that had? Because uh, uh, I remember a friend of mine. Uh, well, actually, he was uh, selling me weed, but uh, <laughs> he was dabbling <laughs> on the side. He, he was very much into at the beginning stages buying as much Bitcoin as he could oh get his hands God, on. Good for him. Okay, so he probably I don't know if he cashed out a long time out. ago. Because if he did, you're good. Out. But if you didn't, <laughs> nope. Right. Never hold on too long. To uh, anything when you're uh, in sort of an investment and or a gambling scenario. I guess certain, uh, you know, commodities and or entities, uh, if you hang on to them, you, you can't lose, right? Mm-hmm. But um, in this case, wow, I, I don't know what happens. Uh, maybe uh, Andy can I was going to say Andy or at the end of the yeah. week when you're back, the professor. Those are the two people we know that really are good with the money market. So, Andy, if you're around, that would be a wonderful answer from you because I have no idea. I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, so what happens with all the people? That had investments, like so. Now they're just screwed. I'm like, that's Mickey Harrison couldn't wait to turn his back. (laughs) Quick, they had to sign off. They had shoppers on the roof before the announcement was even official. (laughs) Taking the FTX right off the arena there, (laughs) painting it with a sign that said Miami Heat in uh, one of those new, uh, you know, 
sort of tropical logos that they've, uh, you know, decided to go with all the time so they could sell more jerseys. Uh, which, by the way, I mean, did you ever think that you'd be running around desperate to get Max Struess cuts? Oh, my God. After a ball game? But uh, <laughs> he's become the man, Max Struess. Thank God for Max Struess. his 31-point performance uh, the oh, other night. God. All right, so the rest of the NFL was fantastic. Now, now you were locked outside. The reason we brought the arena up in the heat was just because uh, on that shot uh, when they were playing the San Antonio Spurs when Ray Allen made the three, you were already outside the arena thinking that the game was over. Yes. Well, they were down five. The Spurs were at the free throw line with like 30 seconds left. Mathematically, in an NBA game, it's over, especially Ginobili's at the line. So I'm like, I do not want to watch another team celebrating on their floor. Like, you could see them already. You could see the champagne shit. Like, I'm like, I do not want to watch them celebrating. They already wheeled a bucket of champagne out there. And and as I'm leaving, I can hear cheering. I'm like, eh, nothing happened. So I get across the street, and I hear the bar across the street losing it. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? And they're not letting people in. I'm like, maybe I can get in. So I actually got in with my credential, but I literally, by the time I ran back, the shot had just been made. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that was that was the Buffalo game yesterday. So you say you shut it off. Now, now you wouldn't have been out of line after uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, stopped uh, at the half-inch yep, line. Yep, yep. The uh, quarterback sneak attempt by Kirk Cousins, which wasn't a very good quarterback sneak attempt. Uh, it, you would think maybe, you know, there, there'd be a little bit more imagination like around there in terms of uh, trying to find some kind of a hole to go one foot. But uh, they, they figured, okay, the usual thing, we can push it in there. And uh, sure enough, they get stopped short and, and the ball game's over. Right? All Buffalo has to do is run another 40 seconds off the clock. Uh, they've got the ball. I, I'm assuming Minnesota was uh, out one. of timeouts at that point. Timeout. I think they had one timeout. Which is not enough to do any damage because no. uh, three runs uh, can't compensate for the one timeout. Yes. Or you can't compensate for it with one timeout. No. So um, it was going to be Buffalo's game as long as they don't. Uh, even if they incurred a safety, they it was probably going to be Buffalo's game because they would have been able to have a free kick. And um, at and that then. point, though, I, I understand the strategy of not immediately automatically conceding the safety. Because you would have only been up two points, yeah. and then you're vulnerable. Uh, they go 35, 40 yards. They hit one play. They beat you with a field goal. Yeah. So I, I understand not going for the uh, deliberately for the safety. No. I was thinking at the time, because they were so close, backed up to the shadow of their own goal line, that, uh, you know, and you're going to think this is stupid. But I thought they should have run a play-action pass play on the first snap. <laughs> I, I really did. <laughs> because it. everybody was going to die for the line of scrimmage, thinking uh, yep. they were just going to try and plow ahead for a couple of yards. And I, I think if they had run some kind of play-action pass uh, into the, you know, run the guy into the middle of the line, faked it to him, and just looped the pass somewhere, right they, they would have gotten out to the 25-30, and it might have even scored. Honestly. Not that they needed to, but they needed to certainly get out of that spot so they weren't so vulnerable. And the last thing that you wanted was an exchange, uh, you the know, snap uh, did, yep. being fumbled <laughs> and or, you know, the ball hits the guy in the body as you're handing it off and yep. or some guy uh, hits a helmet on the ball and it goes flying. That, that's the only thing that can beat you. Yes. So, of course, that's what, what happens. happens. <laughs> but then beyond that, I mean, uh, here's Minnesota. They're now up three with 40 seconds to go. They have to kick the ball away. And what happens uh, right down the field, the Buffalo Bills march the ball, and they end up uh, getting a field goal to tie the game, send it to overtime. And uh, at that point, you, you thought, wow, I mean, uh, if they could stave off that much disaster, they'd probably end up winning a ball game. But um, with a field goal in overtime, the Minnesota Vikings ended up prevailing. And so the Buffalo Bills fall to 6-3, and three, but uh, that, that was as wild a finish as you could possibly anticipate until, of course, you got to uh, the Green Bay game against the Dallas Cowboys, which also – 
Green Bay looks like they're finished. Shot finers. They're down two touchdowns, fourth quarter. Yep. Aaron Rodgers isn't even passing the ball anymore. He was like six for 10 in the middle of the third quarter, including a, a bomb for a touchdown that was perfectly that thrown. Was nice. uh, yeah, that was this nice. This guy who had been Watson. hands of stone, Roberto Duran, uh, going into this ball game and uh, had dropped a couple already. Yep. And, um, you know, he started the season, the very first play from scrimmage. He, he dropped a bomb right in his hands yep. from Aaron Rodgers. And that's had Rodgers. I mean, he, he's been whining and fetching. I think these mushrooms did a number on his mind, don't you? <laughs> the ayahuasca. He was already out there. I mean, look, he was estranged from his family. They want to like him because, I don't know, maybe because he's part of their family. But, uh, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact he's worth $300 million. What do you hurt. think? I don't think it hurts. <laughs> his brother was on, like, The Bachelorette. Yeah, I know. Jordan Rogers, he was like a QB coach. And, uh, they never mentioned it. It was like Aaron. No, 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 don't bring his name up to me. <laughs> Which is weird. He's forged a decent career as uh, an analyst on. Uh, yes. I think he's on like the uh, ACC or the SEC. Yeah, Network, he does something on ESPN. Jordan Rogers, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he's not bad. He, he actually We've had him on. We had him on. Yeah. I think we had him on to do some stuff with Radio Row. Him or Jordan Palmer, it's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> one of the brothers. No, we would have been. We would have spent the whole time talking about the Bachelorette. <laughs> How do you feel about you this journey that we're taking together? What journey, man? We're on this show. It's uh, being taped over three weeks, and that's it. I think you journey did. my ass. <laughs> I wish somebody would say that to Susie Colbert. I don't know if she does these interviews anymore after the uh, NBA draft, when a guy comes off the stage, and each guy she would uh, stop and go. How do you feel emotionally about uh, coming to this point in your journey? I'm just waiting for one of these 18-year-old kids to say, Susie, journey my ass. It's one of the money. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a journey. Here's your journey. Journey. What journey? I guess my journey today is with a bunch of Alta Cockers uh, going to Atlantic City so I can freeze my ass off for three days and hopefully come out of it with a little bit of my cash that I took there to cash. begin with. Exactly. Betting shitty races on Tuesday uh, and Wednesday at the Borgata and uh, hoping that the Mustang makes a score. You can do Maxion. So the Maxion may be a big deal there. The stuff that Ken's been killing it on may be big Tuesday night. What's that? Your Maxion. Uh, Ken's been killing it. You should get in on that tomorrow night. Oh, oh the Maxion, yeah. You won't have to just do your table games or whatever. You can actually... No, no, I, I, I'm going to spend a little time in a sports book. I, I kind of enjoy that, right? I mean, uh, like, like I say, if you have $5 on a game, it makes it... Yep. I mean, incredibly more intense to uh, watch and far more entertaining. And uh, your emotional attachment to that particular ball game is uh, exponentially ratcheted up to uh, levels that uh, e even you uh, couldn't imagine. Plus, it's just nice to win a bet, right? To go back after the game and actually cash a ticket. It's been a while, I think, since I've cashed a ticket in a sports book. <laughs> Jeez. I'm always complicating things with like 11 team parlays yeah, exactly. for, for 20 bucks. <laughs> always. Right? Can't hit a daily double at uh, River Downs, but uh, you're, you're trying to make an 11 team parlay. May as well go for the gusto, though, if you're going to do it. Well, why not? Why not try to break the freaking bank? That's the way to do it. All right. Uh, elsewhere around the league, though, I mean, the Cowboys go down to the Packers. Uh, a lot of people like the Packers. Uh, they were getting five originally. I think that line yep. went off four. Yep. And uh, a lot of people like the Packers uh, in that yeah, ball game uh, to rebound. It didn't look so hot when they were down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But uh, they managed to rally. And I, that was one I had given up on, Luby. I started watching, like, CNN or something. Yep. To see if they were ever going to decide that governor's race in Arizona. And, uh, you know, the other amazing thing, uh, the uh, absolute 180 turnaround by Rupert Murdoch on their man, uh, Donald Trump. I mean, I now every article is anti-Trump. 
it's, about it's, how the guy needs to go away, how he was a negative influence on the elections. As uh, as we say, the red wave was kind of like an Earl Scheib 1995 <laughs> paint job. <laughs> I think they painted the car red. Well, it looks a little orange to me. It's <laughs> kind of the way it goes. All right, I um, was I was looking at uh, once again uh, th- this column, the action sports column, has just been burying people. Oh, God. I mean, an absolute, outright, flat out burial, uh, game after game. Uh, they did it again yesterday. This guy, um, and, and I'm hoping he's no relation to our good friend Joe Cassell. Let me see if I can find it here. I lost it. Uh, but um, they, they were recommending that you bet uh, Tennessee to cover like 12 and a hook yesterday over Colorado in basketball. Oh, no. And, oh, no. And they, they flamed out. That was the big outright. upset of the day. <laughs> Brilliant dissertation on how Tennessee oh, is just going to no. romp in this ballgame. Colorado I, had just lost to some schmink team, and Tennessee oh, was God. looking like one of the top teams in the country. This is college hoops. So it doesn't matter what they dive into. I mean, they, they gave you the Panthers the other night over Edmonton. I mean, it was just if you're following these guys, you are flat fucking broke. At this stage of the season. All right. Um, other NFL games. Uh, what uh, what struck your fancy there, Luby? Other NFL games. Wa- oh, that, Giants that. easily over Houston. The Dolphins' next opponent. The Dolphins on the bye week this week. Uh, Houston not offering too much resistance in, in that particular ball game. Um, the Raiders uh, still, I mean, remain uh, somewhat of a mystery, do they not? That they could be this They're bad. They're bad. Here you go. Vols will trample Buffaloes. I was shuffling around for this. I love that. That's great. That was like that was and this guy, this guy tells you to forget about the NFL because this is like a bet that you cannot lose. <laughs> no. It's NFL Sunday. Oh no! But for the top play, I'm going to the hard court with a college basketball pick. This is a guy named Tom Casale, Action Network. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are excited about the Tennessee Volunteers this season, and for good reason. The Vols return a strong nucleus from their 21-22 team that won 27 games and ranked third in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Ratings. Yeah, the ratings, the palm yeah, ratings. Whatever. Yeah. If that wasn't enough, uh, Zakai Ziegler, wow, and Tennessee created even more of a buzz after demolishing Gonzaga 99-80 in an exhibition two weeks ago. There you go. So they knocked off uh, Gonzaga. That, that was big. Colorado was at the opposite end of the spectrum after losing by nine to Grambling State oh, on Friday. Grambling State. Basketball. Yeah. Though you never want to overreact to early season upsets in college basketball, the Buffaloes entered 2022 losing their top three scorers from a year ago. Head coach uh, Tad Boyle hit the transfer portal hard in an attempt to replace that lost production, but it'll take some time for all the new pieces to mesh. Oh, no. I mean, you're, 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 you're singing like, uh, you know, fucking show tunes on your way to the window to bet this game, oh according God. to this guy. Colorado allowed Grambling State to shoot 54% from the field and only out-rebounded the smaller Tigers by four. That's a bad omen when the Buffaloes are facing a physical Tennessee front line that was one of the best offensive rebounding teams in college basketball last season. I I do this for a reason. It's not to demean Tom Casale or Action Sports. (laughs) It's to show you that the soundest of logic is irrelevant. Yep. When it comes to uh, affairs of degeneracy, it, it really is. I mean, all of this stuff makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You can't sit there and go, wow, what, what a you know, ba- you know, bumbling idiot this guy is. Although, I mean, it, it seems like we're trying to make that case every day. 
Tennessee is one of the most well-rounded teams in the country, and this is an early season matchup where I think we're getting some value on the line. I make the Vols minus 16 on a neutral court. Oh, no. And so take Tennessee minus 12 and a hook. They were out of the game from the start and lost by double digits. (laughs) What kind of fool am I? Oh, my God. That was like the only college basketball I heard yesterday was that came up out of nowhere. Upset. (laughs) Upset of the day. (laughs) Incredible. All right. uh, Brett Tessie, the agent to the stars, is going to join his college football. I thought the Canes were impressive. You say they were looking uh, kind of schmanky to you. I didn't watch the game. I know Georgia Tech sucks, but I thought they played far better than they had at any point during the season. They're playing this... uh, Two freshmen now at quarterback. Yes. They've gone past uh, Sergeant Garcia uh, yes. or whatever that guy's name yeah, was. Yeah, Jake Garcia. Backup. Yep, yep. Yeah, to uh, Tyler Van Dyke. And uh, Van Dyke is out with an injury. They played this kid, and uh, he didn't look half bad to me. I mean, they looked like he might have some potential. Uh, and and I, I thought they were in control of that game. I, I really did. I you didn't know, I mean, watch it. I I'll trust you. I just followed the score the whole game, and they were only up by one touchdown. In the fourth quarter. So, to me, and Georgia Tech's horrendous. Like, Georgia Tech's not good. Like, they don't have a quarterback and they don't have a coach. So, I, to me. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to catapult Mary Cristobal to coach of the year consideration. But, uh, <laughs> certainly gets him off to a uh, hook uh, yes. from the usual. Uh, excited, you know, so, uh, I, I want to yeah. say, uh, well, what would it be? Uh, you don't want to use words like lynch mob. But the, the verbal lynch mob, I mean, has been out there for um for Mario Cristobal, uh, although he's such a nice guy and he has such history with the uh, Hurricane program that, and he's got eighty million dollars or whatever it is, uh, so he's got at least a little bit of a free pass, I, I think. FSU destroys uh, Syracuse. Syracuse not the same team they were when they started out six and zero. Yes, and uh, now have lost four in a row. But uh, you would have to say uh, very impressive. It's Mike Norvell. Yes. I know you hated him in the beginning, Luby, but uh, <laughs> doing a nice job. I, I like him right now. <laughs> we'll LSU see. was kind of a, a lucky winner there over uh, Arkansas. I don't know if you consider it luck, but 13-10, not exactly an Arkansas. overwhelming, convincing uh, statement that they made. Uh, the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide looked like they were going to get tagged with their third uh, loss of the season. Kiffin had him, so man. Close. He had him where they wanted him, God. and he let him off the hook. He did. Tide or who he thought they were. Ugh, it was annoying. Oh, and to see that smarmy Nick Saban after the game going, well, this is what we play for. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, get, get out of here. Go he fuck was, yourself. He was so excited. It's like, fuck him. I mean, they, they just missed on this slant pass that, that could have easily been called pass interference, but they let it go because it was Alabama. And uh, otherwise, uh, this guy catches a touchdown pass for uh, Ole Miss, and they win the ball game right in front of Nick's face. But uh, they'll find a way to get him in there. We oh. mentioned the Jose Suleiman syndrome. <laughs> And, and that came about, I mean, when, when I first realized how horrendous uh, that, that whole system was and how corrupt it was, was uh, when I was following a friend of mine who I mentioned many times on the program, uh, the great Albert Davila, former WBC Bantamweight champ, obscure fighter by, uh, you know, the overall spectrum of boxing standards. But nonetheless, I mean, a great story, one of the best sports stories I ever followed and a terrific guy. I spoke to him a few months ago, uh, right, right around the time of uh, he called me after the Hurricane Ian. See if I was okay. That was kind of nice out of nowhere, right? But um, he, he was ranked number one in the WBC rankings and was supposed to get a mandatory title defense. There were only two champions at the time. So it was, uh, you know, and you didn't make any money in these lower weight divisions unless you were fighting for a championship. That was the only way to make any real bread. Otherwise, you know, you're fighting for, you know, I mean, the guys are getting fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 paydays. It sounds like a lot back then, but but if you're only fighting three times a year. That's not a lot, yeah. 
And you have to pay off all of the people that you have to pay off and the expenses and everything, plus live on it. Not, not the easiest thing. So, so if you could comp a, a seventy, eighty thousand dollar payday for being in a title fight, even yep. as the challenger, yep. then that that was big, big deal. You know. Yep. So uh, Albert's sitting there for like, I don't know, maybe a year as the number one contender, and uh, then the uh, mandatory consideration came up. And uh, the WBC, in, in that particular month, all of a sudden inserted a guy named Alfonso Zamora as the number one contender, even though Zamora was pretty close to deceased. He hadn't fought in two years. <laughs> and somehow, even though my buddy Albert ha- had not lost a match in like a year and a half or whatever, and, and was fighting like a reasonably, uh, you know, decent uh, competition, Zamora surpassed him and got the mandatory title shot, which he did fight uh, Carlos Zarani for the championship. And I believe because of the way that they wanted things to work out, he actually won, <laughs> which was amazing. So, uh, you know, that, that was a Suleiman syndrome. And I, I think it's going to apply here to Alabama because Oregon lost. That was the big loss. Uh, that, that was a very exciting finish to that game, Washington and Oregon. Just, just when you jump on the bandwagon, you figure it's going to be a magic carpet ride, like all of a sudden you're going to be making easy money following a team. Yes. Uh, the, the Oregon Ducks, and, and they had become your Cinderella team to win it yes. all, right, Louie? Well, I just thought they'd be a, a fun fourth team in the playoff. Like, that's what I was looking forward to seeing them come all the way back from that Georgia beatdown to be in the playoffs and be a competitive team from out west. That was Sayonara. Yeah, that yeah. was annoying. <laughs> Sayonara Pac-12 if USC goes <laughs> yeah, that's out. Done. That's it. It's going to be all SEC, all four teams. Yeah, exactly. They'll have a three-loss Alabama team in there. Even though they've only lost two, they'll, they'll lose another one. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, Brett Tessie, the agent of the Stars. He has reason to be proud, man. That Dolphin running game was dynamic yesterday, wasn't it? Was it was great. That was the one thing that McDaniel wanted to do that they haven't been doing. And people were sort of poking at him. Hey, what about your run game? They, they were dominant yesterday. That was amazing. The Dolphins' offense not only is entertaining, but uh, they seem to really be enjoying themselves and yes. each other. They have fun. They they, they actually. When, when have you seen that in recent years? Oh, never. Because even Marino was sort of a hard ass. Like they didn't yeah. really have fun with Marino. It was fun to watch, but Marino was always running down the field yelling at someone. Like it wasn't that a good red time. face. My God, it wasn't a good time. I don't even know. I mean, when was the last time the Dolphins were like fun? Well, I they played know. to a high standard back then. And they were entertaining, no doubt about it. I mean, to watch, Marino yeah. Was- Uncoiling those bombs to uh, Clayton and Duper, and uh, you know they, they could run the ball a little bit, although they didn't ever run it because uh, Marino would audibleize uh, right out of that play and <laughs> into a long passing play. But uh, now, I mean, uh, you talk about uh, being in sync and, and in sync with each other. So we'll talk about that. I, I would imagine Brett Tester is very well aware of that uh, since he talks to these guys that are on the inside, and, and then John Kajemi with the Big Skin Playbook. In the uh, 8 o'clock hour. And then uh, I'm off to Atlantic City, so you're going to handle uh, your duties with the Mike Mayo Lunchbox. Yes, sir. I did have a new dining experience over the weekend. I ate at a place that a lot of people were talking about, and I, I, I found it good. But you should never judge a place based on being served in a big party. We were a party at 12. Oh. Needless yeah, to say, uh, you know, numerous things got completely fucked up. But, uh <laughs> I, I wouldn't let that be the sole basis for my uh, review of a restaurant, which a lot of people seem to very much enjoy. Uh, the food was good. Uh, I'm not sure what Mayo would have had to say about it. Uh, you know, because you know how he likes to label Italian places as your standard spaghetti and red sauce joint? Yes. Which, is that not like, I, I mean, like a that. kiss of death from yes. Mike Mayo in a review? Yes, he does. When he says spaghetti and red sauce, I think that's a condemnation, don't you? Yes, that's, he's about to lambaste you. 100%. Now, Sarni loves this place. 
Oh, nice. Uh, I think it's called La, La Capriciosa or okay. something like that. Okay. It's right, right across from the Even Keel Fish Shack. Oh, there, nice. There's a little Italian joint, and, and they've spiffed it up. And they also had like a what looked like a really weird-looking crowd at this place called Mickey's Downtowner, which okay. used to be the Beef and Reef. I don't know if you ever went there with well, us. Well, you guys uh, used to go. Yeah, I never We went. were going there quite a bit when the Mardi Gras was bartending there. And they've redone the place, and it reopened as a place called Mickey's Downtowner. Okay. Or Mickey's Downtown. Uh, and, and it was weird. It's just weird to see a different type of crowd, like something that you don't see in any other restaurant. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe I it. I don't know how to even take it. <laughs> they like a piano guy, and you know he, he was a strange-looking cat. I, I, I don't know. But it was crowded. I mean, it looked like they were doing well, and it sort of looks to me like it's high-end stuff. But uh, this uh, La Capriciosa, I, I believe it's called, uh, I, I would give it another shot, although based on what we... You know, you know the service. The li- server was lovely. I mean, just great. She she meant well, but everything got screwed up. She meant well. Like everything. <laughs> you don't want that after a dining experience. She meant well. <laughs> it was a disaster, but she she meant well. <laughs> I would go back there. I would I would consider going back there, but there will be other places yeah. that I try first that I haven't been to. All right, but uh, anyway, you're going to be with Mike Mayo later on today, the yes, uh, Gambling Gourmet. And uh, he, he had another big weekend, man. Uh, and, oh, plus, he, he got his face stuffed by Tommy T, Tom Tanazini. Yeah, he had I, his food truck down on uh, State Road 84. I know. I meant to get out there. It's annoying. It how so how much food did Mayo have there? I'm sure a lot. Tom T always takes care of him, and Mayo's not one to say Oh, my no. God. This guy, literally, I mean, he had like 19 different things laid out. <laughs> It was incredible. Anyway, uh, he'll have a lot to talk about on uh, Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. All right, we're coming back with Brett Chester, the agent of the stars, in a moment. Now that. The time. 7.37. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. 
Again, Land Lovers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Land Lovers for making you always feel right at home. The simple pleasures of this job, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field, the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. Less, more attention, caring for them, caring for ourselves in the games, too. The agent to the stars, the one and only Brett Tesler. Welcome back to the show, uh, the Depot Show here. Jeff DeForest and uh, Mike Luby Lubitz on South Florida Live. Always a pleasure on these Peel Yourself Off the Map Mondays as we reflect on the weekend's activity in the National Football League, college football, and look ahead to uh, upcoming games to welcome our uh, ultimate insider here because uh, this guy really is on the inside of what's going on in the National Football League. The agent to the stars, Mr. Brett Tesler, joins us here on the program. Brett, how are you, my friend? Doing good, man. What a wild, wild weekend of football, huh? Yes, sir. Oh, it was great. You know what? It, it, it was terrific, too, that the uh, two games that were televised here in the local market, I wasn't out at any sports bar yesterday. I was just kind of uh, watching his stuff at home. And, I mean, you had two games uh, back-to-back that were sensational in, in terms of uh, drama and, and excitement. And that followed a Dolphin game where and we were speculating about this. You would be uh, better uh, capable of speaking about this than, than we would because uh, you talked to Raheem Mostert, and uh, I don't know if you have other clients on the Dolphins, but uh, it, it does seem like uh, as uh, Raheem and now uh, uh, Jeff uh, Wilson and uh, the running game has kind of flourished a little bit the last couple of weeks. You're seeing it coming together. Uh, but while watching all of these guys on the offensive side of the Miami Dolphins uh, squad, it looks like not only are they in symmetry, but they're rooting for each other, and they're genuinely having a really good time out there. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that we've sort of seen this kind of team unity and, and uh, cohesion and confidence uh, in, in the last 20 years. Uh, it, it does look like, uh, I mean, uh, all of your guys uh, out there on the Dolphins' uh, offensive side of the ball are, are just having fun playing with each other. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can argue that the Dolphins are the best running back tandem in the NFL right now. In fact, I believe they're the only team that has two running backs with over 500 yards. Wow. Um, and as far as Raheem and Wilson's relationship, um, those guys are like brothers. You know, I, I, I've always known how fond of, uh, of Jeff Raheem is, and, you know, dating obviously back to their days with the 49ers together. And, uh, you know, they're both similar guys. It's so funny that these guys are both guys who are undrafted. These are both guys who bounced around practice squad for years until they finally got the right opportunity to prove that, you know, they, 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 they're capable of carrying the load. And, you know, that's the thing about this league. It's just, it's, it, it's very political in the way that obviously, um, guys who get drafted, guys who get paid, um, those guys always get the first opportunities. And as far as these guys who are undrafted, you know, even if a team realizes how talented they are, unfortunately, unless it's someone like the Patriots, where someone like Belichick will play whoever is the best, that's why they've been so successful over the last couple of decades. You know, in the case of the 49ers, they had guys like uh, Jarek McKinnon, who they paid a ton of money, overpaid a ton of money to, um, and he was always injured. 
And, you know, then there was a couple other guys that were there and, you know, another guy uh, that they had paid. And so, you know, those guys kept getting opportunity after opportunity after opportunity where most certain Wilson, it was a very slow process to finally, you know, once there was like two or three other running backs on the team that went down with injury, once there was literally nobody else there, then these guys finally got their opportunities. And of course the rest is history. So, um, you know, I thought it was a mistake for the 49ers to get rid of Wilson. Um, obviously, McCaffrey is a very interesting guy, a very, you know, well-rounded, talented guy. But, you know, you look at yards per carry. I mean, Wilson was doing great there. I just don't understand why you'd give up so much to actually downgrade yeah. as it relates to getting wow. yards per carry. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, I mean, you know, the stats don't lie. Um, I'm, you know, not that McCaffrey's bad, but I mean, I think we're all seeing right now how good Jeff Wilson really is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting all the way. Now, how much of this is McDaniel? Because, uh, obviously he had familiarity with both Raheem Mostert and and, uh, Jeff Wilson. And he he already seemed to have a pretty good grasp of what to do with these guys in the passing game. Uh, but uh, how much of the success uh, would you attribute to McDaniel and the fact that, um, you know, his familiarity with these two running backs, all of a sudden, as a Dolphin running game uh, looking better than it has, uh, you know, uh, since Ricky Williams was running the football. Well, there's no doubt that when you get two guys who you've had tremendous success with, as in, you know, you've went to a Super Bowl with them and they've actually carried you to a Super Bowl in the case of what Raheem did for the 49ers. And, you know, you could have won the Super Bowl had maybe you used those guys a little more. Um Obviously, it's a plug-and-play situation. There's no learning curve. So when a guy like Jeff Wilson comes here, there's no getting to know you, period. There's no learning the playbook. There's no, uh, you know, figuring out exactly what your head coach wants or doesn't want. So from that standpoint, you know, anytime uh, any coach brings in any player who they've worked with in the past, it obviously speeds things up where you can just kind of drop them right in the deep end and watch them go. But, um, you know, the reality is there's no successful player in this league who doesn't benefit from being in the right scheme. And so whether that's, you know, the success that you're seeing the running backs have under McDaniel, the success that you're seeing Tua have under McDaniel, uh, the success that McDaniel's having with Tua and with these guys and with – it's truly a a synergy – and it's one of these things where, you know, when people say, well, was, you know, was it Belichick who made Brady? Was it Brady who made Belichick? My answer is, who cares? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. made each other. They wanted to, they won a ton of Super Bowls. And so, you know, when you watch a guy like Tua, I, I mean, the bottom line is this. The job that Mike McDaniel has done with him is nothing short of just perfect, just brilliant. Because... The truth is, I don't think necessarily that a guy like Tua would 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 benefit from just any scheme. Mm. You know, I don't know that Tua is going to be that drop back, you know, scan the field, sort of like what uh, what he was asked to do by Flores, and you know what what a lot of other coaches run. So, for example, when you watch the Chargers last night and you see Justin Herbert, um, you know, I've I've always said that, you know, Tua could be a good player, but, you know, he'll probably never be as good as Justin Herbert. Uh, 
it's hard to compare apples to oranges because they're in entirely different schemes. Now, obviously, you see the arm that Herbert has. Yeah. You see the lasers he can fire, you know, 50 yards downfield and catch guys in stride yep. or even lead them to it. Um, I don't know that Tua would necessarily be having the season he's having if he were playing in L.A. for the Chargers. And when you look at Herbert's skill set, where, again, you know, he may not have that short to intermediate accuracy timing and touch that Tua has, I don't know that Herbert would be having as much success with the Dolphins as Tua is having. So the bottom line is this. Uh, all these guys on the Dolphins, especially on the offensive side, are clearly in a scheme that is working very well. And there is no doubt that Mike McDaniel has to get a tremendous, tremendous amount of the, uh, of, of the respect and the adulation and the credit that he definitely deserves. Hiring this guy was truly a stroke of genius. Well, no, and we said, of course, for the Dolphins to have genius, it has to be their seventh guy. So, like, yeah. I mean, if they, it has the to first be guy mistake. would not have been as successful. It was like the fifth guy <laughs> yeah. that they wanted. Um, but it worked out either way. Well, and here's the interesting thing. And Defoe said this. He said it, I mean, with you, but even before you came on, they look like they're having fun. And it's funny because two guys that in their sport were, I don't know if they were malcontents, but guys that were me, me, me guys, Tyreek Hill, Jimmy Butler, were seen as these guys before they came to Miami, and they were put in the right situation. You've seen Jimmy Butler flourish. And I've seen Tyreek Hill, who you ne- I never heard about this with the Chiefs. Like, he was a talent, he was fun, but it was always Mahomes' team. That's not what you're hearing with the Dolphins. Like, from the Dolphins, from everyone around them, he's the guy that he is an MVP candidate. Most people think he's Offensive Player of the Year. And it's not just because of his abilities on the field. It's because he is, like, guiding this team. He is taking this team with him in a way you never heard in Kansas City. And yesterday, he didn't have a great day. They barely targeted him, and he was cheering. He was celebrating. He was, for a guy that's of his talent, usually he'd be doing the Keyshawn Johnson thing. He wasn't, and it seems like no one on this team is doing that, which is the toughest thing to really have when there's success. A lot of the team, time you see ego, you haven't seen that with this team. You see this team in lockstep, and that's really impressive to me. There's no question about it, and that's something that San Francisco had as well. You know, when they had great success, again, Mostert was there, and everybody knows what a great leader and a great guy and how respected and loved he is by everybody, yep. not to mention that when he steps on the field, he's the ultimate warrior. I mean, pound for pound, not a tougher guy in the league. And so that's infectious. And so other players that are around that, you know, you almost have no choice but to have fun yourself. You have no choice but to work hard yourself. Uh, you have no choice but to be tough yourself. And that's what real leadership is. They lead by example. You know, again, now you talk about Tua. Everybody knows what a leader he's been dating back to his days in Alabama. <clears throat> excuse me, in Alabama. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in the case of guys like Tyreek, or some of these other guys, these guys always worked hard. I mean, you know, these were very talented guys, very productive guys. Um, Tyreek has, you know, always been one of the best weapons in this league over the last five or so years in KC. Uh, and, and it's a situation now where uh, it's amazing that Mahomes is still having the success he's having. He's still an MVP candidate. Yeah. And so it just goes to show that, again, did Tyreek make Mahomes? Did Mahomes make Tyreek? Maybe it's just one of those situations where, you know, they just made each other. Sort of like, you know, a Lennon and McCartney type thing. And so, um, but there's no question that everybody in Miami is having fun because winning 
yeah. is fun. Yeah. And I can assure you, you wouldn't see as many smiles. You wouldn't see as much energy. You wouldn't see, you know, guys really, you know, putting their neck on the line, game in and game out, play in and play out. If the team was, say, I don't know, one and eight right now, one and seven or whatever it would be. But no, the team is winning. They're beating very good teams. Uh, You know, they just gain more and more confidence by the week. And, you know, there's no question that McDaniel's a big part of it. And when Flores was here, um, you know, I personally never really cared for the approach. Um, You know, it's the approach that we've seen too many Belichick disciples try to take when they finally get a head job. And that's why you see um, guys like Josh McDaniels, guys like Matt Patricia, guys like Eric Mangini. I mean, uh, <laughs> the line goes the, on. Uh, you know, it's a blister. Uh, I mean, it's like yeah. what, what is that? Charlie Weiss. Wow. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. I mean, literally, we could be on the phone all day, guys. And so the bottom line is it doesn't work. It doesn't work because these guys all try to show up thinking they're Belichick, but they don't realize that Belichick has earned the right to act the way he does over the last 30 years. I mean, the guy's paid his dues. He's been with multiple teams. Uh, He's had colossal failures. And so he really learned uh, the things that ultimately made him the greatest coach of all time in, in Belichick. And so, you know, the thing is, these other guys don't realize that you can't immediately show up to a new city and just force your system down everyone's throat and try to force square pieces and round holes. Yep. You can't bully the media. Uh, you can't intimidate your players and, you know, have everybody operating under fear. It's just not a good environment. People just don't look forward to showing up to work every day. And on the Dolphins over the last few years, that was the case. And so, you know, Tua obviously, you know, hated Flores. And I think the results ended up showing. And so now you've got a head coach who is just a fun guy. And I'm telling you, you know, from my dealings with him, and, you know, I I spoke to him personally for hours going through the whole process of signing Mostert here when other teams were interested. And I just... It's just every time I, I got off the phone, I, I just had to tell my wife, my son, whoever, like, this guy is unlike anybody I've ever talked to in 25 <laughs> years as an agent. He just sounds like a little, he sounds like, you know, just your little, you know, buddy down the hall. He sounds like, you know, he looks like a guy that should work at Best Buy. Um, he's amazing. It's a classic. It really I mean, is a classic. I mean, really, there's just nothing. Uh, I can see you guys getting along. Did you there's, invite him out to the Capitol Grill for one of those? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, we never got the chance, but hopefully that'll happen one day. But, yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy you would genuinely want to do that with. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that's, like, just so sincere and just so real. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, players can immediately see through phoniness. They could see through phoniness in coaches. They could see through phoniness in teammates. They could see through phoniness in the media. They could see through phoniness in an agent. You know, athletes and, 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 and football players tend to be very instinctive people. Mm-hmm. And so when this guy comes in, you can just sense that what you see is what you get. And he's a very vulnerable guy. Um, you know, he's had some things in the past that he's had to overcome that have been well-documented. And so, you know, people respect that. People appreciate someone like him. He's real. 
he's not somebody who's who's dictating from a position of just such power. Uh, it, 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 it's just a real, genuine, just synergy and partnership and just a great working environment between the boss and his employees to where they're all in this together. He's not that much older than a lot of these guys. Um, and again, just the way he deals with people is something this league has 100% never seen before. Coincidental, huh? Stephen Ross gets suspended. All of a sudden, the GM looks like a genius. The coach uh, is the ultimate hire. Modern day, uh, you know, coming of uh, Vince Lombardi. I mean, uh, you know, the team's happy. They're all high-fiving. I, I don't know how many different touchdown celebrations we've seen from the Dolphins. I mean, you got everything from uh, Jalen Waddle's Waddle to this guy rocking the baby. Uh, yesterday, uh, you know, uh, your man Mostert with that slide. What is? Oh, that's the surfing thing, right? Yes, yes, yes. He's a surfer. The surfing thing. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because yeah, he, he he grew up as a surfer in Daytona yeah. Beach. You know, some people don't know this about him, but he was actually a top surfer growing up, and he was sponsored and actually had opportunities to pursue it professionally. So that's just sort of a little tribute to his past. And um, you know, it's been great to see him scoring a bunch of touchdowns here over the last few games and. Uh, Again, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing situation where Jeff Wilson is genuinely happy to see Raheem do great things. Raheem is genuinely happy to see Jeff do great things. Uh, I think these receivers are happy to see each other do well. Yep. The running backs are rooting for the receivers. And, you know, a lot of those plays start with the fake handoffs, especially the most, which wind up freezing a defense, yep. which, you know, when you wind up seeing a throw to Tyreek or Jalen that, you know, seems so open, that's part of the reason why. And obviously these receivers are opening things up for the running backs in terms of just what threats they are downfield and how it takes the top off of defense and, you know, opens things up underneath for some of the intermediate passes that you're seeing to a tight end or to a running back. So things are just clicking. I mean, I could not imagine how things could possibly be better for that team offensively. And, you know, the great thing about the Dolphins is they're a very, very good team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're having a legitimately very, very good season. They can still get a lot better. Oh, yeah, I mean, you yeah. see some areas on that team that you see some areas that, you know, can improve and that, you know, can be addressed this offseason. And with Tua just having, you know, another year in this system, like no matter how good you're doing, whenever you've been doing something for such a short amount of time, I mean, two has only played for this guy for two months. You know, when you start to get into two years, three years, four years, look out. And as this team bolsters their defense and as this team fortifies the offensive line um, with the weapons they have on offense, you know, an embarrassment of riches as it relates to, uh, you know, key weapons. Um, it could be scary what this team does. I'm talking legitimately, you know, Super Bowl contender to hopefully oh. odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl over the coming you know, year. My heart. I'm grabbing my heart shocked. here, Brent, They're uh, in like the, the second in the AFC watching. right yeah. now. I mean, they are Super Bowl contenders. This is I mean. the big one, Elizabeth. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, I mean, if you happen to check out exactly. uh, you know, the guy that I knew a long time ago, he was first starting out in comedy, Gallagher, he checked out. Bud Friedman, the owner of the Improv, uh, he checked out uh, last week. Uh, so, uh, mm. uh, you know, I mean, you never know when it's going to happen, right? I mean, uh, guys, uh, you know, very young age, you had that, uh, you know, that uh, singer or whatever, the, uh, you know, pop star, and, uh, you know, 34 years old, unbelievable. Mm. Uh, you, you need to have your affairs in order because you don't want the government grabbing everything or uh, maybe it just evaporates and goes to the bank because nope. nobody knows how to get their hands on the money or the assets. Uh, Michael D. Wild, 
Now, there's a guy that's right up there with McDaniel, although not quite as out there esoterically <laughs> uh, or existentially, but very practical in what he does and, and does a great job when it comes to Wilson Trust. And I don't think it's any coincidence that both of their names are Mike. And yep. uh, in fact, everybody great named Mike. You got Michael Jordan. You got Mike McDaniel, Michael Wilde, Michael Lubitz. The list goes on and on. <laughs> so the reality is... <laughs> The, the, the reality is, guys, uh, it, 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 it's really no laughing matter when it comes to getting your estate and trust taken care of. Yeah. And it's something that I sort of realized too late. You know, just it's something where I waited too long to get it done. But thankfully, I did. Someone introduced me to Michael Wilde. I found him at SouthFloridaWills.com. And since then, obviously, many, many friends, family members, you know, yourself. Uh, have, have used him and, and everybody just loves the guy. He just makes the process incredibly simple. It's quick. It's painless. It's easy. It's affordable. And once you get it taken care of, it just gives you such a peace of mind just knowing that now, should anything happen to you, your family's going to be taken care of. So reach out to Michael Wilde, SouthFloridaWills.com. Excellent job, Brent, as always. Thank you, uh, it's sir. always a pleasure. I uh, love your enthusiasm. I think yes. it's shared all around uh, South Florida right now. And anybody looking at the Dolphin team has to feel like uh, maybe we were right about going over eating a hook uh, before the season started. So, uh, a bye week, uh, everybody gets to rest up. You come back with somewhat of a patsy in Houston. And yes. uh, let, let's hope the uh, sky is the virtual limit here as. Uh, we're talking Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, uh, the S word came. I up. mean, they're the second that, seed in the AFC more than yeah. halfway through the year. Test isn't wrong. The Bills going down didn't hurt anything yesterday. After I declared the Bills un- unbeatable and invincible, <laughs> they've lost their last two. So uh, that shows you what we know. Uh, thanks, as always, my friend. Thanks, it's always a pleasure. Have, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Tess, man. Thanks a lot. Interesting stuff there. Uh, McDaniel with the uh, Mostert negotiations. And uh, they spoke many times. Uh, that would be an interesting pairing. I have a McDaniel and Brett Tester over a uh, <laughs> couple of cocktails at dinner. <laughs> but, I mean, you're, you're looking for your coach to be somewhat of a maestro, no? And uh, be able to uh, kind of get all of these great elements to come together but without necessarily getting in the way, overwhelmingly so. And that's where a lot of coaches end up failing also. It hasn't happened for Belichick because uh, he, he just happens to as uh, Brett said, indiscriminately uh, uses personnel. Yes. And if his, uh, you know, seventh round draft pick is better than the guy, that, I mean, as evidenced by the ultimate decision in that regard, your sixth round draft pick, who uh, nobody wanted, fourth quarterback on the roster, replaces Drew Bledsoe. Results are okay. But you say, you know what? I'm sticking with this guy. I see something there. That's the kind of stuff that uh, you win with. Yeah, you know what was odd? I mean, uh, this was just an aside. Did you see this uh, GM? Uh, they offered him like a one year deal with the Houston Astros. His contract was up, and they offered him, like, a one-year deal, like an insulting After they won deal. the World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, two out of the three, uh, you know, last World Series, right? Uh, you know, winning that one uh, last year. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they've been a dominant force. That They lost some key pieces. Well, right? and isn't he the guy Korea. that came in after all the crap? Like, didn't he weather the storm? It, yeah, yeah. That GM. He, he helped like, them turn it around. Like So, uh, you know, and, and survive all of that, uh, you know, I, I guess. I don't know if he was responsible. I'm going to assume he was responsible for bringing in Dusty Baker as the manager. That turned out to be a very good move. And uh, they offer him a one-year deal. Well, what do you think? Is that an Ime Udoka situation where he was banging uh, the I, owner's I, wife yeah, that's, or something? I, the, I don't understand. Like, the uh, Astros actually outside of the cheating. 
which is a big yeah. deal, have actually been run really well. So that's the kind of thing that organizations that aren't run well do. That's the kind of thing the Marlins do. Like I, yeah. Usually, if a guy an insulting offer, like it's you just know, weird. Like the usual thing. Okay. Like, like when you went in thinking you were going to get a big raise there when the program director yep. called you in and said, Louie, it's about time we took care of you, so they offered you less. <laughs> all right, we're going to offer you a lot more. John Kajemi going to join us. Yes. We always love having John on the program. He's all yes. over this Dolphin uh, team and uh, was all over the coverage yesterday and going to join us today. It's Pigskin Playbook. Lots of things to talk about with John. Brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. And we will return with John Kajemi and the Pigskin Playbook. Also, uh, you know, we, we uh, want to remind you, we're also brought to you by Hialeah Park and beautiful people there and all of the great stuff that's happening there. Uh, just been terrific and, and a good time to make a holiday score. Yes. Uh, head down to Hialeah Park. They're open till 5 a.m. on the weekends. Uh, that's Friday and Saturday night, 3 a.m. during the week. Doors open up at 9 o'clock, so it's right around the corner. Uh, over $6 million in jackpots paid out uh, just uh, last month alone. So uh, you're in there with a real shot to win. It's not quiet like a lot of these casinos are where you hear like one coin drop into the bucket. They don't do that actually anymore, uh, you know, literally. But uh, figuratively, you know, you, you hear the sound effects. It's usually pretty light. Not at, not at Hylia Park. You're going to have a good time. Get a player's card when you come in the door. It entitles you to all kinds of great rewards in their fantastic rewards program, all kinds of special events at HyaliaPark.com. Make sure you make your plans, clear your social calendar, and plan on a visit to beautiful Hialeah Park. All right, John Kajemi coming up in just a moment. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. Happy to have you with us on the Defoe Show here. Today's edition of Mike Mayo's Lunchbox nope, is brought that was by accident. By accident. Keep going with your yeah. spiel. Sorry. <laughs> you, dropped, you dropped the lunchbox. I was there. kicking you off. I'm ready for lunchbox. No, Man, I'm ready for the Pigskin Playbook yeah. with John and Jimmy, obviously. Pigskin Playbook with John and Jimmy uh, coming up in just a moment. Now that. The time. There you go. Johnny Eddie. It's 8.05. And there you go with the one and only John and Jimmy. There he is. right back with him. Hey folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. State Line Dolphins with John Kajemi, and that's brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill in the keys and we're looking very much forward to doing some broadcast there i think we're going to head down there like once a month during the football season i have to ask you this on you know and feel free to you know not necessarily spill the beans uh, from a personal standpoint to your good friend dan marino does he experience or did he ever experience nightmares about handing the ball off to kareem abdul jabbar that one year when jimmy <laughs> insisted on running the ball on every play 
And uh, <laughs> it, it was always, I mean, uh, the announcer, I think it was Ron St. John was a stadium announcer back then, and you could hear him say, hand off to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, gain of one, second and nine. <laughs> hand off to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, gain of one, third and eight. <laughs> Can you ever talk about that? Remember no, he's never days. really talked about that, Defoe. But you're right. I think they did have that on loop at whatever the stadium was called. At <laughs> yeah, time. it was one yard every time. And it was a generous one yard they were giving him statistically. Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs, thanks to Defoe and Luby. Now on the Defoe Show. Welcome back to the show. Morning once again, everybody, on a Peel Yourself Off the Mat Monday, the Defoe Show, Jeff DeForest, one Mike Luby Lubitz. And we welcome in the handsome one himself, who uh, once again was all over the uh, Dolphin coverage yesterday, uh, all, all platforms and formats welcoming John Kinchemi, as uh, we're happy to do, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Marker 104, Overseas Highway in Key Largo. John, you're looking good. How are you, my friend? Doing great, guys. Uh, celebrating another Dolphins victory, which seems to be uh, coming in, in runs. You know, we had three in the beginning and now four in a row for the Dolphins. And everybody looking up at Miami in the AFC East, which is a nice feeling to wake up to on a Monday morning. Yeah, how sweet. I don't know if you were watching this because you're probably involved in uh, Dolphin analysis on uh, CBS 4 here locally in town. But uh, when, uh, when we saw Josh Allen fumble that football, it was my, my God. I mean, what what a freaky ending to a ball game. I, I I know it always seems like the latest one when you have like a bizarre, you know, ending and a series of events uh, that uh, occur where you're thinking this is impossible to sequence. Uh, you know, and you say, "Wow, that was the most exciting thing I've seen." But I, I don't know. Have I you mean, seen a finish like that? <laughs> it was up there. Where, no, where, where Minnesota is coming back and closing. I, there was a point in the game. I'm laying seven with Buffalo in my bookmaking venture, and uh, th- there was a point there. I guess it was late in the third quarter where it looks like they were going to score a touchdown easily, and, and, and ice the game against the spread, and then they end up losing, especially after holding on at the one foot line. I don't know. I mean, how often has that happened? I would imagine it has to be the ultimate of rarity where a, a team fumbles in that spot and then comes back, ties the game, sends it to OT. Incredible. Yeah, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes you see it more when you're going to quarterback sneak, going into the end zone. Uh, say you're in shotgun and you rush up to the line of scrimmage, you go under center and all of a sudden you get a bad snap, but you, yeah. you're able to get on top of it. Coming out, coming out of your own end, uh, most times it's a little bit easier because you're already under center. But those those snaps are really different than a regular snap because you're actually just sitting there knowing you're not going to pull away from the center and, and try to make a play, right? You're not dropping back. You're not going to hand off. You're just trying to get the football and push yourself ahead. And sometimes, you know, that center quarterback exchange, um, for whatever reason, you know, if, whether it's pressure on the center uh, with three guys that are, you know, really close to that A sure. gap or the quarterback trying to rush ahead to make sure he gets out of the end zone, you, you lose handle the football. And, and sometimes that's a, that's a difficult thing to do, especially on a cold. All right. Kind of lost uh, John there at the tail end of that, but uh, yeah, no, it was, um, it, it was odd. Cause I, I actually, uh, you'll think I'm crazy, John and Jimmy, but uh, you've been in these situations uh, collegiately and as a pro, uh, I'm sure, where you've uh, tried to open up a little bit of space after getting the ball near the goal line. Now, now here you have about 45, 50 seconds left to go in a game. Uh, it, you don't even need to make a first down. They're down to one timeout, the Minnesota Vikings. You, you just have to make sure uh, 
that uh, you don't give them the ball back somehow in a position, much less in the end zone, where they have a chance to come back and win the game. So I, I thought the safety was out of the picture. I know a lot of people were screaming, hey, just take the safety, punt it away. But then you were vulnerable to losing on a field goal, which right. there was obviously enough time left to drive the ball in a position for a field goal because Buffalo did it after that they gave up the touchdown. But I was thinking play-action bomb, actually. <laughs> it was like, screw all this. Is that insane? <laughs> I mean, uh, you, know, you, you know, like you said, three guys are hovering over the center, so he's going to look up yeah. right away and maybe, you know, have a little premature reaction there with the snap. Uh, Josh Allen is just looking to grab the ball and be shoved forward a couple of yards, which – even if he makes like a yard or two, that doesn't really get you out of this giant jackpot that you're sitting in because you still might, you know, might be vulnerable to uh, getting sacked or not sacked, but, you know, having your uh, runner tackled in the end zone. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, anything but that seemed like an appropriate play. I mean, what did you think about the call itself? You know, I, I wasn't actually watching the game because, as you said, we were oh, doing yeah. our, our post game. But when you watch the highlights of the game, you know, that's still one of the most simplistic plays you have. It's center quarterback exchange. So, you, you know, no matter what the situation, how much pressure, you get the football from the center, you mull ahead for a half a yard or a yard, and you do that a couple of times and you win. I, I, I guess the scenario would have been. Um, so going deep in that situation, if there's one team to do it, it would have been the Buffalo Bills. You yeah. know, they, they did it during the game, I, I, I you know, garnered through watching the highlights that you know they pushed the football down the field when they really didn't have to and turned out to be an interception and you know bad things happened but gosh you, you uh you love to see that as a Miami Dolphin fan but as a Buffalo Bill fan you you want to think you gave one away and you just yep. you gave it away because you had a 17 point lead you're the best team in the AFC you're you're gonna win that game and you lose it and now you know your quarterback's not 100 percent you're looking up the Miami Dolphins who seem to be hitting on all cylinders yep. and you, you have four teams within your division that are all with winning records. Yep. And I don't know when the last time that's happened within yeah. the AFC East. Had to be centuries ago. I, was say, uh, I think it goes back to when uh, <laughs> yeah. Mike Tolliver was quarterback in the New York Titans. Someone was always horrible. But, uh, <laughs> somebody is always bad uh, yeah. in that division. Uh, I mean, uh, how stupid is this, John Kajemi? I, I, I really don't get this. And, Having been required many, many times while, while broadcasting boxing to go through the uh, unified rules, and, and I thought, well, well, why are the unified rules so stupid? <laughs> Where they specify that there's no standing eight count and the three knockdown rule is not in effect. Well, if those rules don't exist, then why even mention them right. in the first place, right? I mean, how far back do we have to go to, to Jack Dempsey the last time the uh, standing eight count was in effect? But but they go through the rules, and it always reminds me of this, you know, where I was thinking as I'm saying this stuff, I, you, I don't know if you, you have this tendency while you're broadcasting to, you know, be reading an announcement or something and thinking, this is absolutely idiotic. But uh, they go through the rules there before the overtime uh, period and uh, you know then you're thinking wait a minute those aren't the rules anymore right what happened to each team getting the ball and they actually state well each team will have a chance to possess the football and then they go through the reasons but, why they will not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet that's that's in effect for the playoffs but it's not in effect for the regular season i mean i i think it's atrocious you know that uh, you, you have this rule in place where whoever wins the coin flip it used to be, okay, well, if they got a field goal, that, that wasn't so difficult to accomplish. But 
I mean, even if they get some kind of fluke touchdown, shouldn't the other team get a crack at the ball? Yeah, no, you, you think would so. think so. I, I, Defo, you mentioned that. It's funny. When I'm at uh, Hard Rock Stadium, and it, it's the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, and uh, there's an announcement in the press room, uh, and it's the same announcement every week. You know, yeah. it, It's almost like if you try to get on the field before you're allowed to get on the field, we will have security or an electric chair right there. You, you know, you have to, you, you will be, you will be put to death. Yeah. Uh, you will, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, come on, you know, you hear it all we the time, it, you know, it's not in effect, but, but they have to say it. I don't yeah. know why they do the, the whole ritual uh, before. Uh, I guarantee you that if there's, you know, how many guys, 47, 48 guys that dress on game day, there's probably 44 to 45 that have no idea what the overtime rules are. Zero. Yeah. None. I don't and, think and the coaches do. <laughs> it, well, it's so confusing because it changes every year. You just well, kind of go, okay, just flip the coin. You know, just get to the part where I, I get the, the call. The, whoever wins the coin flip should, should just be yeah. declared the winner. Right. I, I think based on that. But, I mean, uh, to have them, they changed the rule for the postseason, which, okay, that's good. Because uh, it, it did seem, you know, ridiculously unfair. That, that one team would never get a chance to possess the football, especially after a field goal. But, I mean, why would it be different during a regular season at this stage when they already tried to make well, a correction for a giant oversight and injustice and and, and they don't apply it to the regular season? It makes well, no sense. Just, to look, just look at, I mean, we've had multiple games go to overtime, Yeah. right? So yep. you'd have a couple of fresh runs to see how that worked out for, for the teams, how it worked out in the – in the standings, whether you ended up having a tie game, which they've had after sure. overtime, or what kind of tweaks, you know, do you like or don't like on, on the changes that you made? So I, I think it would be a free dry run to see how it plays out in the regular season, carry it over to the postseason, then analyze it in the offseason to, to see what you like and what you don't. I don't like it. I, I don't like the, uh, you know, inconsistency. Uh, where, you know, I mean, if the rules are, are this in the postseason, uh, I, I understand like in hockey or whatever, you know, where, where you're going to play the game out and you're not going to go to a shootout in a Stanley Cup uh, postseason game. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. Uh, you know, and, and even the you know business in baseball where they put a guy out on second, second base now in extra innings. I don't know that you want to see that necessarily in the yeah, postseason, series. although where I would have been just appalled by that whole notion. I'm more in favor of it now after we had that, what, that 18 18 game. Inning, yeah. yeah. The I don't need to see that. It's it's kind of like, a you know, uh, it's imposing on everybody. Yep. What you uh, might like to do in baseball is, is have regular, you know, extra innings until maybe the 14th inning or, yeah. the, you know, and then when, once you get to that point, then we're going to put somebody on second. Or yeah, after 12. Somebody maybe, on first like or that. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you modify it a little bit. But uh, the business of not having a chance to get the football, I mean, I'm living and dying on a couple of these games, John. And, uh, you know, especially with point spread considerations and things of that nature. And, yes. uh, you know, you, you don't want to get beaten by a touchdown w- without having a chance to get your hands on a chance football. To, yeah. It just seems like an atrocity, just like the uh, all – not as bad as the field goal thing was, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, if you're going to solve a problem, holy Joe Biden, let's go out there and solve this thing uh, once and yeah. for all. All right, uh, we've been crowing about the Dolphins all day. Uh, one of the things that, that you absolutely have to love about it, I mean, we saw more balance on offense yesterday than we've seen, uh, you know, maybe in forever uh, with this team. Uh, Tua's enjoying himself. He's having a ball. McDaniels, 
philosophies seem to be working out brilliantly. Yeah, they're running the football. They now have a tandem of running backs. I, I don't know that they're the best tandem in football, but you know, I mean, they're the fastest. What they're doing, they yeah, the they're fun. Yeah, they are wow. Fun. All right, and, and and we know that offensive lines, as bad as they may be, as maligned as they may be, when they get a chance to block and open up the running game, all of a sudden it seems like a panacea for success in, in blocking for the pass. And, uh, you know, you have a, a patchwork offensive line going from patchwork to being celebrated as doing a really good job. Uh, I, I don't know that I've seen a Dolphin offense in sync like this uh, since Danny Boy. Yeah, late I mean, 80s, 20 years. early 90s. What, what, what do you think? Is that a fair statement? I think it is. I mean, there was a couple of years where you could pick out and go, wow, the offense was pretty good. You know, it's, get, it's getting there. The right? Pennington year was okay. We're, we're, I mean, but not having the blend of run and pass. As, yeah. as you said, Defoe, I think that, you know, no matter who you play, you have to play the teams on your schedule. And the Dolphins, we, we said this at the beginning of the year, they were going to start to make hay once they passed, you know, the, the midway point of the season where they had some teams that were going to be poor. You know, they weren't going to be, uh, they weren't going to have winning records. And that's what happened. You know, you hit Detroit and you hit Chicago, you hit Cleveland, you get one more in Houston next or in after the bye week, you add those teams up right now, they have 10 wins. You put Houston in there, they have a total of 11 wins together, those four teams. So you would think the Dolphins should take advantage of that. The one thing that I didn't see coming was that Miami was going to be this good. Yeah, uh, I didn't think they would be this explosive. I didn't think one person in, in Tyreek Hill was going to make this team that explosive. Well, he carried this team early in the year, yep. but now it's starting to get balanced out a little bit because yep. the offensive line and the defensive lines are starting to dominate. And I really think that that's, you know, that's been the, the, the juggernaut to this offense. You know, two is getting rid of the football on time and on target, but he hasn't been touched. His uniform was dead white yes. yesterday. He didn't yes. touch the ground. Yeah. And those running backs. Wow, they run with, hard with, and they're fast. There, there were huge uh, holes, the holes. You know, cracks on the sides <laughs> by the tackles and the ends. They, they were flying. They were at top speed, you know, in their second or third step. And they were into the secondary to that second level before Cleveland could even put a hand on them. I think Mostert ran 21 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. No one touched them. Never touched he skipped so, into the end zone. Yeah. It looked like Deion so, Sanders going in. It was, it was amazing. fun. I mean, that, that was fun to watch as a Miami Dolphins fan. So you have to you have to give a lot of credit to Mike McDaniel and what he's doing in terms of putting people in positions to make plays and putting this team in position to make it look effortless because it has looked pretty seamless on offense. I mean, they they're scoring. They're not punting. They didn't punt yesterday. Not once. You know, and maybe against the Bears in, in Detroit, maybe once or twice, they were scoring. They're scoring points. And, and that's fun to watch. And defensively, you get after the quarterback. Jacoby Brissett comes back to South Florida. You sack him three times. I, I don't think Cleveland scores in that first half had it not been for the opening kickoff yep. and gets the ball close to the 50-yard line. You know, the defense was, was fairly dominant as well. And, you know, that was just a – it's been a team effort over the last couple of weeks. The offense has carried this team uh, in certain weeks. The defense early, you know, ha had their – moments to shine but now that's starting to be complimentary football and if we can kick some extra points we might be dangerous <laughs> well that, that's the only downfall is their kicking game is becoming and, I, and I have confidence in jason sanders uh, i say legit, that just I because i watch him in practice the kid's phenomenal um 
I, I think he's got the right mindset to do it. I just think that he needs something good to happen to him where, you know, you, it's before halftime and you got a 48 yarder. He needs to go nail it, jog into the locker room, have some confidence about it, and he'll be set for the remainder of the season. Well, what's interesting, and you said it, is uh, look, it, it, if you're watching Dolphin games, they have been sort of scary the last few weeks. The Lions. We're able to do whatever they wanted for about two and a half, three quarters. The Bears, <laughs> Justin Fields, did whatever he wanted the entire game. And yesterday, it started out that way. Jacoby Brissett, who we know well, that first quarter and a half was not fun. They moved the ball well. They didn't score, but they moved the ball well. But then it was like Bradley Chubb said, all right, I'm here. And from near the end of the second quarter on, it was a party. Like, I, I, I was in awe of their offensive line and their offense, but we've seen a lot of that so far. We've seen glimpses. We haven't seen the Dolphins look, the defense look like that at all this year. The defense, Xavier Howard getting annihilated. Javon Holland sort of coming back to the pack. Um, the linebackers looking lost. The defensive line doing nothing. Agba was out yesterday, and you wouldn't even know. Like Ingram, yeah. Phillips, Chubb. It was like a party at the quarterback from that middle third quarter on. They had one nice drive, and outside of that, they just shut him down. And it was like... Okay, if the defense can look like this, <laughs> like, well, this team could be very interesting because you're watching the Chargers sort of in eh, Broncos and eh, the Ravens. Yeah. Like, no one's scared. Even the Bills are having the struggles, and the Dolphins are just getting better and better and better. I'm trying to reserve my confidence and my hope, but you watch that team, man, and it's not just fun on offense. They're fun, on, and they're having fun, and that's something we haven't seen on both sides of the ball in my entire life. Like, I don't, I mean, I guess the Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor years, they had fun, but their offenses were dreadful. So, like, you'd you'd go and have sh- hold a team to seven, and you'd lose ten to seven. Yeah, 13, you know, like yeah, thirteen so 10 like, or something. Yeah, like or you'd lose seven six or whatever. You know, like. It, I'm not only hopeful, I'm just watching this team, and I don't have to stress, and it's such a weird feeling to watch this team just feed off of each other. And you said a complimentary football, not just the passing and running game, but the defense and the offense in a way that I thought we'd get there in year two or three. I didn't think we'd be there halfway through year one. Well, they made a lot of moves to get there in year one. I mean, this team, you know, when you go out and get Tyreek Hill and you go out and get Bradley Chubb, and now you get a a Jeff Wilson who looks like a premier back, uh, you know – this team has pushed all the chips down to the, you know, the middle of the table. And they're saying, you know what, <clears throat> this is our year. And we have probably a couple of years together to, to win one. Let, let's do it now. And let's try to keep this thing together. Because to your point, Luby, not only was the pressure from the edge on Bradley Chubb coming up the edge and, and Phillips <laughs> coming and Wilkins <laughs> coming from the middle and Sealer, you know, forcing a fumble. They had some, they had some devastating hits behind the line of scrimmage. Landon Roberts decked Chubb early in the game yep, yep. for a couple yards loss. And, and, and actually, Jerome Baker had one too. So it's been a little bit of everybody. And you see once the defensive line starts to creep in and dominate a little bit more, the defensive backs are getting better. Well, I was going to say, who's Bethel? Like the, the cornerbacks have been such a struggle. Between Kohu and Bethel, I'm like, who's Byron yeah. Jones? Like Bethel was everywhere yesterday. And I haven't even heard of that dude. Yeah, I, you know what? I had to look on my flip card. I'm like, 20? Who's 20? I, I, I have no idea, you know? And he made a couple plays there in the second half. You're like, all right, Bethel. It's Bethel. Good job. You know, but uh, yeah, Byron Jones, I don't know. Right now, I don't, I don't know, and I don't really care if, if he comes back, to be honest with you, because if he does, it'll strengthen the team. If not, this, this nucleus of young guys seem to have it under control. So the only, the only kryptonite I can see for this team, 
uh, is traveling to the cold weather yeah, and seeing yeah, yeah, how yeah, yeah. Tua handles the football and handles the passing game. And, and they handle kind of just playing that way, you know, yeah. and they have only two opportunities before the postseason in Buffalo and in new England. So I want to, I want to see, you know, the team do that. But by that time, if they take care of business, you know, they should be in a position where you could drop one or two and still get to 10, 11, 12 wins. How are you feeling about our eating a hook, John? I know we had <laughs> I mean, no hook, I changed, I mean, Remember, lengthy I was discussions. Not, yeah, you were very skeptical. I was, not, I was not on board early. No, I know. And, uh, and you, I, you were skeptical. I, well, maybe that. that was preseason. I can't remember. Yeah. But I did change before the regular season. You did. Uh, but it looks good, I, and that's the problem. It looks too good. I mean, uh, <laughs> no. too good. you would have to think I, you're a cinch to go two and I five. I mean, come on. They have seven wins. I'm not going to mush this for you, Defoe. I'm not going to say a word. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to feel too good about it, but I, I'm doing the math. It's two and five. And then that air of invincibility that some of those teams uh, you mentioned, you know, late season games on the road against New England and Buffalo. Well, both of them uh, don't have that, uh, you know, I don't know that New England did, but, uh, you know, certainly Buffalo is not invincible as they appear right. to be because they managed to absolutely, you know, uh, uh, just mangle at that game uh, yesterday, uh, you know, when they had everything going in their direction and, and somehow managed to lose the game. And, uh, you know, there, there was some talk. I don't know how much, you know, you could really read into this, but, uh, you know, where, where uh, Stefan Diggs was saying, ah, well, we, we, we don't know how to finish games anymore and all of this, which, you know, they lost two in a row in, in kind of uh, ugly fashion uh, to fall to six and three. And, and then, you know, the Packers, uh, you know, no dynamo. They won yesterday. Mm. San Francisco uh, certainly has its vulnerability. And the Chargers. Uh, you know, and, and, and is not any offensive juggernaut. The Chargers, uh, you know, can be scary. So, uh, you know, all you know, of that you know stuff where, where you're looking the at the AFC, schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, the team in the AFC, I, I think Baltimore has the DNA yeah. to, to beat some teams in the playoffs just because of the way right. they play. Uh, you know, Buffalo, obviously Kansas city, obviously, but if, if Baltimore gets in the mix and they have a home game, yeah. that's, you know, that's a tough environment to, to uh, sure. get your team to go up and, and play and not beat yourselves, you know, not, not kind of turn it over, not, you know, too many false starts and holding calls that, that back you up. But uh, the Dolphins at home right now, uh, I, I think they're really, they're really, really a dominant team and should be a favorite at home. Going on the road's a different animal. Yeah. I was totally surprised that in the Detroit and Chicago game, and even yesterday, it's like three and a hook or four points. It's, yeah. it's like Pretty I, I felt that was going to be a massacre yesterday. Yeah. And wow. it didn't materialize because it was only 17-7 at halftime. But in those other two games on the road, I just thought it was going to be a play out a lot more like yesterday where the Dolphins yeah. would pull away in the second half and, and get that, you know, two touchdown, 17 point spread and win easily. And it didn't happen, but they they played. They kept playing. You know, that was good to see. They kept playing. They kept competing and kept making plays that demoralized Chicago and demoralized Detroit. Yep. Well, such a thin margin, too. I mean, we're seeing this. Uh, you talk about parity in the NFL. I mean, even teams with lousy records are a threat. And, uh, you know, it seems like many games uh, you, you get, uh, you know, uh, the so-called Howard Cosell ebb and flow back and forth. And then ultimately they're decided uh, sometimes, unfortunately, on a very bad call, which, uh, you know, even in Buffalo, I mean, how do they let that call stand? Where, you know, I don't know that it was subject. They didn't get a chance to replay it for some reason where, yeah, you probably didn't see this either, but uh Guy makes a catch. He bobbles the oh, ball clearly. Out of bounds? Before. Yeah, and, and that's what put him in field goal range so they could tie the game in regulation. Uh, now they ended up, uh, the right team uh, ended up 
you know, winning, if you wanted to consider that call so atrocious that it would have affected the outcome of the game. But, I mean, all of these games, you know, even when the Dolphins were kind of meandering against uh, some of the teams that you suggested, they, they were still winning. They, they were coming yeah. up with a winning formula, and, and that's really a giant that's key what in good the National teams Football do. League. Yeah. yeah, good teams find a way to win those games. And, you know, you're down – what was it? They were down twice. I think it was either times, 17 yeah. or 21 points to Baltimore. You know, and you feel like they're never going to dig out of this one. Yeah, and they find no, a way was, to, to dig out and, and win the game. That was, that was uh, absolutely some comeback. All right, we want to get into uh, some of the college football happenings uh, over the weekend with John Kajemi. And uh, I, I'm feeling pretty comfortable about the uh, eight and a hook, uh, the over. Uh, and it's rare that we make a recommendation before the season starts. It turns out to and come to They have to seven fruition. games left, and they just need two wins. <laughs> I, I hope. Yeah, I mean, if we lose this one, John, I mean, come on. there is no God. <laughs> just forget it forget i'm it. heading for atlantic city today i'm going to play this monday night yeah. game I, I feel compelled to play the commanders because uh, they're getting 11 points and uh what is philadelphia due to throw in not necessarily a stinker but uh well, they've been, they you know they've been playing they've been closer games yeah. you know as of late so we'll see what happens i don't know it, the road to, to being undefeated for philly looks kind of doable Yes. You know, Dallas is going to, you know, Dallas is going to find a way to Dallas. I mean, they had that game. <laughs> yeah, the game was in the back. Yeah. You know, Lambeau, you know, Mike McCarthy shaking hands on the sidelines and you're going, oh, no, they're too happy. You know, Aaron Rodgers would love to come back in this one. And he and he found a way to do it. Does Rodgers just hate Matt LaFleur? Ever since uh, I, that, yeah, that they, August move that he no, made. No, he doesn't like that I, guy I, at all. I think there's a little bit bitter pill in there, yeah. I, I think it, wow. there's no medication to get that out. I, I don't think so. He comes over after uh, there, were, there were like a few seconds left in it, like yeah. 35, 40 seconds left in regulation. and I mean, you could tell that he, he was just absolutely livid about uh, another Mike LaFleur uh, call, Matt LaFleur call. And... Uh, you know, it didn't work, and, of course, they, they ended up in overtime, but they did prevail there. Uh, all right, uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Uh, John, uh, great place. I know we're heading down there. Jimmy just had the thing, I think, at the book fair with uh, Dave Hyde uh, selling swagger. And uh, well, what a tremendous place. I, I believe these these next few days are going to be gorgeous. So yeah, it's going to be want a little bit of an off time, preseason, so to speak, where, where before all of the tourists hit down and, and the Keys. Uh, this would be a great time to get down to Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Yeah, really, uh, this week, next week, at, at any time, really, of the, of the year, but especially now because the weather's changing a little bit, and uh, you go outside, you're not spritzing all over everybody, you have a drink at the pool, and yeah. uh, and just order anything you want. The, the sports bar has been uh, crazy. I, I've had um, my friends go down there and, and report back to me. They've had a great time. Uh, family members have gone down and said the, the place is just hopping, and you get you know, live music on the weekends. It's just a great place to enjoy yourself, either if you're going to Key West and you want to stop off or your your destination is Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, you know what you're in store for. You're in store for first-class service, great bayside views, and, and awesome food and drink. So uh, when you get a chance, uh, that's the place to be in Key Largo, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. No doubt, man. I mean, people used to go out of their way to stop, and I'm sure it's a fine establishment. Uh, you know, eat those greasy bowling balls they call conch fritters at Alabama Jack's. Get uh, ripped off on a couple of Coors Lights and, you know, have to uh, navigate your way through a bunch of uh, angry bikers. But, uh, no, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill is, is for everybody. And, and, and yeah. you have fine dining and uh, 
you know, casual diet, whatever it is that your uh, fancy is, you, you can have it at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. I would imagine that'll become the go-to destination for oh, anybody yeah. exiting or entering, uh, you know, about to go on that little stretch there leading up to Florida City. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming out of Florida City. I, I, I My car is if driven by magnetic force field. We'll be making a right, <laughs> right into Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. So a uh, great, great spot. All right. Uh, a lot of interesting uh, happenings on the college football in the gridiron yes, as well. Your Pittsburgh uh, uh, Panther team is, is getting good. Is not, not bad. Two two yeah. picks, back-to-back picks. Uh, the first two plays of the game, it's 14-0. And I think it was uh, 15 seconds were gone in the game over All Virginia right. I mean, last I know week, they so, had yeah. uh, sustained a couple of losses uh, earlier in the year. but uh, How about FSU? Always... FSU's rolling, man. I don't get Luby started on that, man. That, that was my, uh, you know, alma mater there. They trounced. We're supposed oh, to have I an interview know. later on with I Larry know. Zonka uh, on our uh, podcast. And uh, actually, uh, I, I don't even want to bring up this week. I, I don't know if he follows Syracuse football anymore. Zonk, what do you think? I'm sure he does. I'm sure yeah. he does. Yeah. That was ugly, man. I mean, uh, the pasting. <laughs> at the hands of Pittsburgh. At the, Both of you guys. Just, uh, you know, why, why don't you just uh, give me a black guy? <laughs> one on the right one. It's ugliness, man. I will come back uh, with a lot more with John Kajemi as uh, we have the pigskin playbook working today here on a Defoe show on Appeal Yourself Off the Mat Monday. Back with more with John in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 8.36. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion unmatched and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place. And that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. 
Jimmy Johnson uh, joins us here on the program. Along with John Congemi and it's Dateline Dolphins, of course, uh, Leslie Bister, the lovely and talented one. Did you trademark that expression, by the way? The how about them Cowboys? I should have. I'm not a businessman, as Larry Calvano will know. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Jones is a businessman. Now, Jerry Jones is the smartest businessman that I've ever been around. He knows how to make money, and he works at it night and day. He trademarked my, how about them cowboys? He trademarked He trademarked <laughs> Of course. I don't get a penny off those shirts. Not one penny. The best way to kick off your day is with Defoe plus Luby. We now return to the Defoe Show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, peel yourself off the mat Monday here on the Defoe Show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby-Lubitz, and we always uh, love having John Kajemi with the Pigskin Playbook. Brought to you by uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, mile marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. Uh, you know, uh, this was a little bit baffling for me. I was involved in a lot of programming, uh, you know, uh, with, with the Miami Dolphins over the years uh, on uh, radio and TV, uh, like you are uh, now, John Kajemi. And uh, I always call this period of time the anatomy of a bye week. Because, uh, you know, it, it, it's like the two weeks before the Super Bowl where all of a sudden you have 40 guys and they're all writing stories about Dwight Freeney's ankle and whether or not he's going to be able to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, now, how do you handle the anatomy of a bye week where you're, you're going to be doing all of the regular shows, right, next week? Or do they suspect yes. that? Uh, well, we, do, we will do a, a Dolphins weekly live, but no, obviously, fifth quarter because the okay. game – doesn't exist, but we will do a, a pregame show. Okay, a pregame for no game. Oh, that, well, it'll that be is... it'll be a pregame kind of the analysis yeah. of what's gone, you know, on the first half of the season and looking forward to the second half. All right, good. I mean, at least you guys have a theme because uh, I, I used to struggle with that sometimes. It was like, uh, you know, what are you going to say, right? Yeah. And and, right. and the old joke was, and it doesn't apply anymore, that the Dolphins would be underdogs in the bye week. <laughs> you, you know, that, I'm glad we can skip, you know, just skim right o- over that. Uh, all right, uh, college football. We had him. We had him. We had him at three losses, John. I mean, uh, and and you know, you, it, there's a curse I know when dealing with Alabama. Uh, are you as concerned as we are that they somehow weasel their way back into the title picture? I don't think with it's two losses. I don't think it's possible. Or is that impossible so. at this point? I, I think it's. I think it's not going to happen. I mean, okay. LSU has beaten them. Uh, the only way I, I don't, I don't see how it happens really. I, I, I can't come up with a scenario. I think Nick I would be I, the only reason I was listening to someone lay out a scenario, but it was so kind of out there that I disregarded yeah. it. Now you're right. If there's any team that w- it would happen to, it would happen to the crimson tide, um, with Nick Saban, just because of the pedigree that they are and what they have and what they've done. But I, I just don't see it. I think you've got what Georgia and LSU and the SEC. Yes, that's Kansas. already locked in. I think. For uh, is it is it Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC? I think that's pretty much locked. Might in. Be, I think yes. the, the wild card, the wild card team. You, you're going to have Ohio State and, and Michigan. Whoever wins that game against somebody, they're going to pound in in the Big Ten uh, championship. And then uh, the only wild card is really TCU. Oregon got beat, you know, yeah. over the weekend. Right. Uh, USC, maybe. Uh, they're on the fringe as well, so uh, I just I just see the Horn Frogs. They run the table and and see where the chips fall after that. But in. you know, it it always depends on the SEC, really. I mean, if you have a close game where Tennessee wins on the last drive, how do you keep out a one loss Georgia team that has been number one ish all year? You know, they dropped a four, 
if they would lose in, in the championship. LSU's in. Uh, another uh, conference champion is probably going to get in. Um, and then whether it's Big 12 or Pac-12 or however you want to do that one. So I just don't see there's room for Alabama. Is Georgia invincible? Should we just crown them champions right now? What do you think, John Kachan? I don't know. They're, they're a great team. Uh, they have all the intangibles that you're looking for in, in the pedigree that, that is a champion. Uh, they have the pressure of kind of repeating. But Tennessee is a team that can shock you in any one game. You know, I, I don't think they will, but I, I think they have the talent and the ability because of the way they, they play on offense. They have a quarterback that can escape. They have a quarterback that can extend plays. And when you're playing against an aggressive style of defense, you know, he's proven during the year he can stand in the pocket and throw it against good teams or he can escape against good teams and, and continue to make plays down the field, either with his arm or his leg. So depending on how, how the Tennessee offense plays and, and especially uh, Hooker, the quarterback, if he has one of those days where, he's unstoppable and he's doing things that you've seen him, you know, those traits carry over to that championship game. It could get into the fourth quarter against Georgia. I think Georgia's the better team, but it, it's always close when you have that intangible at quarterback. Bobby Knight, he, he checked out, didn't he? Bobby Knight yes. a while back. Yeah. Rolling over in his yeah. grave, man, looking at Ohio state, Indiana. I mean, uh, <laughs> Ohio state puts up a basketball number on uh, Indiana in that game. Um, and you mentioned Ohio State, Michigan. Obviously, everybody looking forward to that one, uh, John Kajemi. Uh, what do you see there? Michigan also uh, was in against the Patsy there, and uh, you know managed to yes. uh, take care of business without too much, uh, you know, uh, being imperiled in the game at any time. So, uh, what do you make of Ohio State and Michigan? When I, I don't know, I, I grew up watching Ohio State, Michigan, and I always rooted for the home team. You know, whoever was at home seemed like that they were going to win. You know, they have a better chance at winning. It was one of those games where teams were always fairly even. Uh, I can't remember who has home field advantage this year, but whoever does. I don't know why I want to be, say Ohio State. I, I don't know. It's going to be at least a six or seven point favorite. I think it's worth three. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I, I don't know if it'll be that much, but it, it if it's Ohio State, I think it'd be more than it. Michigan yeah, it's at Ohio State. Oof. So okay. I, I would think it would be more than just a field goal. I think it'd be yeah. between a field goal and a touchdown uh, for Ohio for Ohio State. All right. And, and uh, you know, obviously that's going to be a big uh, decision maker and, and a huge factor in uh, who goes on and plays in the national championship round. Uh, all right. Uh, I did watch the hurricane game. I managed to catch that. And uh, I was much more impressed. I, I don't know what they did uh, since the, the previous week. When, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, we're incurring an embarrassing loss, but uh, they, uh, they they look like they uh, kind of put things back together a little bit. Uh, what, what did you think of this true freshman quarterback? Well, I, I think he has uh, definitely the size and the arm strength to play quarterback. I watched him uh, now for a couple of weeks. He looked much better this week, looked much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, I just don't, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. When you watch certain teams, you go, yeah, th that team has uh, all the ingredients you, it looks like you need. Miami's like hit or miss. It, Miami either looks okay or they look bad. And, right. I, and they look just okay against an average, you know, Virginia or Georgia Tech team um, on the road. It was good to see them uh, do the things they were supposed to do. Um, 
but I, I just don't, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of given up on Miami this year because I kind of know who they are. Yeah. Sure. Um, and that's not to say they can't, you know, re- come back and revive it next season and be a really good football team because Mario in his second year and they get this huge yeah. recruiting class and they're going to turn things around. But for, for this year, it, it doesn't uh, make me want to stay on that channel for very long because I kind of like, eh, you know, they're, they're okay. They're, they're improving this week, but they may reg- regress yeah. next week. Play Clemson you know, it's one of those, Pitt. one of those seasons that they just, they're not, they don't have the building blocks. Like when you watch the Miami dolphins and, and coach, the head coach said this, they want to be playing their best football as they go along during the season. They want to continue to build and get better. The Miami Hurricanes, their best football, and I don't know if it was great, has already been behind them a little bit. Now they have a couple more weeks to put it together and build off of this last win, and you hope they do. But it's been a lot of uh, under under the 500 radar, whereas you know the offensive lines, bang, it's a mash unit every week. Um, quarterbacks are kind of running around for their lives, uh, on defense, they make bonehead penalties for 15 yards. They miss tackles. They miss quarterbacks when they have chances to, to make plays. And you don't see any of that stuff getting any better in consecutive weeks. It seems like they'll have a flash and then they'll go back and, and, you know, kind of go back to who they were for most of the year. Well, that was kind of our beef, uh, you know, about the season uh, was, uh, I, I don't know, you know, obviously, uh, expectations uh, from most of the fan base, as Louie pointed out, uh, and he was right for a change, uh, were, were a little bit out of proportion with what uh, obviously has happened. But, uh, you know, we, we, we thought uh, the mark of a good coach, uh, you know, we're seeing this with uh, Mike McDaniel, where, where the team's getting better as the season progresses. Uh, I think we're seeing it with Mike Norvell at Florida State. Oh, teams yeah. getting better as the season progresses, uh, even in sustaining a couple of losses there. Uh, they still managed to acquit themselves fairly well, and then they bounced back now and played you know, a really, really sound football for the last two weeks uh, against, uh, you know, Miami and then Syracuse. Uh, right. Maybe catching the Cuse in a down syndrome uh, where their quarterback's been injured and yep, yep. that 6-0 yeah, that start was yeah. a bit of a facade. Well, they lost their quarterback. That hurt them a lot because they were yeah. much different offense yeah. with him. Schrager, yeah. He, he was, uh, you know, really performing miracles early yeah, in the season really and didn't know if they were going to be able to sustain that all the way through that, that seemed unlikely, but didn't think they would collapse like that. But uh, I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't say anything, but uh, that, Hey, Florida state definitely got better as the season progressed. And you know, that, that was the thing that we weren't seeing. I, I did, you know, I thought I saw some indication of that yeah, they played better in this Georgia tech game. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, for all of our criticism of the week before, maybe, you know, there was a step in the right direction. A good yeah. friend, a big follower and a big fan of yours as well. A gentleman named Jimmy Ross who we communicate with on uh, social media is a big backer uh, of the shows. Uh, he, he said, that's it. Watch out. This was a turnaround. True freshman uh, quarterback, a freshman wide receiver, Mario, all of these recruits coming in. And, and I, I wrote him back. Holy Tony Segreto, man. I mean, he was really seeing this <laughs> as I love pie in the fans. sky. I, I don't know fans. that it was that. I, I, I guess, you know, uh, time will tell, obviously, uh, you know, to use the cliche. But, uh, you know, I, well, I don't know that I saw that in this Georgia Tech game. Apparently you, you take didn't a look. You take a look at Florida State. Okay, they hire a coach. Was it now, Luby? Three years this ago. This is third season. Yeah, this is his third season. Yes. Okay, they went through a rocky patch yes. in the beginning. Very they bad. had to get the right players to play in his system. Okay, they weren't going to adapt. Okay, we have 
we have this in the cupboard. Let's change what, what our concepts are. Yeah. They wanted to bring in his system. And I think they ended up getting a quarterback in the end yeah. that Works. overachieved what they thought maybe he could oh, yeah. do. I mean, this guy is playing as good as just about anybody in the country. Yeah. And the players around him within the scheme of what they're trying to do, because they look a lot like Memphis on steroids. Yeah. When Memphis <laughs> had this offense, yep. they had some dynamic players in, in that system at running back yep. and at wide receiver, and they managed the quarterback uh, situation. Here you have a dynamic quarterback with almost equally dynamic players at certain positions. Yep whether they come in via transfers or portal or you just homegrown that build into this system that have really taken this offense and taken it to another level. So that's the, the scenario you're hoping Miami gets into with a quarterback after a year or two mm -hmm. that gets into a system. Now, I don't know if they have as dynamic a system built into this offense as Florida State does, but you're hoping that the other side of the football can, can maybe take over while they find out who they are as a quarterback and as a, a scheme on offense to get to where Florida state is in maybe a year and a half, two seasons, because you're going, you're not going to shortchange Mario. If you're bringing him back from Oregon and give him two seasons, okay, you haven't done anything. We're going to get rid of you. Nah. This has got to be kind of a, a two, three, four, five year system or term to build what they think they can be. Florida state fast tracked it in year three. Can Miami copy and paste and do the same? in maybe year two and a half yeah. to year three and a half, because that the hurricane fans aren't going to be as patient. They're going to want to see it next year where, where Florida state is this year. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if they, if these, the injection of new players, uh, unless they change the, the dynamic of what they're trying to do on offense would matter. Yeah. I don't know if there'll be much of a, uh, you know, lengthy free pass there on Mario Cristobal. If, uh, you know, it, it continues to be, you know, in, in this kind of mediocre mode uh, of football that the uh, Hurricanes have been playing for the last several years. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would think the uh, indictments would be far more scathing next year if they had the same kind of season. But yeah, uh, hopefully Jimmy Ross is right and we can uh, change this discussion and, and not be having the same conversation as we had been having about the Dolphins for 20 years yep. prior to yeah. this year. It, it is nice, you know, because a lot of people feel, John, and you know this, that this business is fueled by negativity. Yeah. That the, the more atrocious things are, the, the more likely you are to get a response from your audience and the more riveted right. they would be sports talk programs of this nature. But the truth is, it's always great to be on that wave of success and a bandwagon, especially if it's a rarity. So let's hope that we're having that conversation about the hurricanes and it continues to escalate with the Miami Dolphins. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick uh, timeout and, and then come back okay. and, and take a, a brief Bye. look ahead because I will be in a sports book okay. on Tuesday and Wednesday night with live betting action. And a bunch of wise guys want to be mafioso that uh, come into Atlantic City from uh, all points in New Jersey. And uh, then uh, the Philadelphia mob is there as well. And they're all, you know, engrossed in, in the degenerate activity. So I want to be the one that's holding a winning ticket. So I'm going to ask you about <laughs> games here. I don't know if you have an opinion on these, but uh, these these midweek games are uh, starting to pile up here in college football. I'm thinking a parlay, and if I win Tuesday night, I go right into Wednesday with another three-team college football parlay. Plus, you have the pro card coming up. So we'll come back and uh, talk about that with John Kajemi in a moment. Now that. The time. Do the commanders have a chance getting 11? It's uh, 8.54.
Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family. Good for a date or just a night out for yourself. And prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. We welcome to the show John Jimmy, who joins us for Dateline Dolphins. Uh, John, how are you, my friend? Depot, I'm doing well, and that's not the only thing that's going to reach a new height. I'll be at about 220, 225 after this football season if we visit too much. <laughs> down at uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Grab a bagel and a schmear, plus some Defoe and Luby. Welcome back to the Defoe Show. All right, welcome back to the show. A few minutes to go here. Uh, it always flies by when we're talking football with John Kajemi, the Pigskin Playbook, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Micro 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. That's Mike Luby Lubitz. I'm Jeff DeForest. A good-looking kid is uh, John Kajemi at the bottom of your screen here. Uh, all right, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, well, tonight's game. What, what do you think? Would you take 11 points? <laughs> you don't have to get involved, obviously. This is, uh, And that's why I, I like this. This is an unbiased uh, and uninfluenced opinion. Because you don't need the money, A, and then B, you're probably not going to no, have he's cash not going on this game. On this stupid but ass game. I don't know that I can sit there <laughs> in all self-respect in a live you know, sports book where they do have a window right there to yeah, your you left where something. you can bet your brains out. Yeah, and everybody's in action. So it's kind of fun to watch the game under those circumstances. It's like you know being in any sports book in a Vegas casino, maybe even like a mini version of Super Bowl Sunday. So would you trust the I mean, are there rivalries left? I mean, look, the commanders by all rights should hate the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And want to do anything to damage their season? Do they have the goods to be within eleven? We're talking the proverbial two score Boy, game. What do you think? I, I don't know. I, I think Philadelphia's played some closer games over yeah. the past couple of weeks. I would say they should. The, the Commanders should uh, be able to keep it within eleven. But I like Philly here tonight. I just like laying Philly eleven points. All right. Yeah. But now, right. my one of my best friends, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore. He said, "I'm like one eight hundred, go the other way." So <laughs> you you may want to go with Washington. Well, here. that would be the only I, I reason like, to bet I Washington. Like Philly. I yeah, like Philly. Okay. you would have to think that Philadelphia would be an overwhelming favorite uh, in, in this game. Uh, you know, home, certainly on the money believe, line, but right? yeah. but yeah, I mean. You have to figure also that all of these guys in the in the book there are going to be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles. No, that there would yeah. be no steam in the Atlantic City area, Especially that area, in the New Jersey area for the Commanders, who they probably right. despise. Area, yeah. Right, and you're an hour from Philly. Um, I, I don't know what their betting situation is there, sports betting wise, but 
I would think, you know, you're going to see some of these Philadelphians venture over to AC just to, you know, be part of the, uh, you know, degenerate party that goes on, which would be great. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that one. I'm probably going to go with the commanders. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's always disappointing and deflating when when you're down 21 nothing in the first quarter and, and you're only getting 11 points and you see that the game's already out of hand. So that will leave me probably stuck about uh, 400 uh, between all of the uh, degenerate activity that I'll be involved in casino-wise. Going into uh, Toledo versus Bowling Green and Ohio versus Ball State. I was going to say the Tuesday. I think that Ohio-Ball State game might mean something. Ball State's been nice for the professor lately. I would touch base with him. What do you think? Ohio-Ball State State getting four from Ohio. Would you have an opinion on that game? I okay. Let, let me preface this by saying you don't I've have not to have seen. Yeah. I've not seen either team r- run a play. <laughs> All the more reason to have so, it. Better. Yeah. So then I would I would take Bowling Green or I would take Toledo over Bowling Green yeah. okay. on Tuesday, and I I would I would I like Ohio. Okay, gonna lay the over four. State. The chalk, yeah. going okay. double chalk there on uh, on Absolutely Tuesday's chalk. card. All right, I I, I won't bug you for uh, the rest of it because. Uh, you got Miami of Ohio in action against Northern Illinois, which is a darling. <laughs> no, I, no idea. Out of the I Mac. absolutely uh, no idea. That's Wednesday. And uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, I engage in something really ridiculous and, and uh, you know, uh, financially responsible, like a three-team parlay. Yeah. Knowing that, nothing that about any team. That would be the that, way to That's go. always a, a fun way to do it, Depot. Right? Yes. When that's you the only way you watch, win. You go in and you go, this is win. Lock City, and you come out, and you're depressed, and your pockets are empty, and. It's a bad feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you venture off and think, well, maybe I can make a quick score on video poker. And then you put <laughs> another two sticks up in smoke. And you're cursing the carousel that these machines are on there and uh, wondering why no one else is playing there because they've all been fleeced of uh, every dime of their cash. All right. What do you have uh, on the horizon? I mean, uh, do, do you get like a, a week of rest, John Kajemi, with no, a bye week? No, no. I know you're working, rest, but we're gonna... you already know the material. Yeah, we're going to just do a show, uh, Dolphins Weekly Live, Sunday nice. morning, uh, 11.30. So we'll okay. do that on CBS4. And then look uh, forward to the Dolphins heading out uh, uh, to practice in, in a home game against uh, the Texans. And then out west, I think that's where the season starts. They got three in a row, San Francisco, uh, L.A. Chargers, and then at Buffalo. Mm. So they got three away games right there that they're going to have to, um, you know, find a way to – to play as uh, as well as as they have uh, throughout the season, and if they do, they they'll come away with a couple of victories. I don't know if they'll sweep, but they should. They should win, you know, at least two of those. Oh, please say it's so. Jack. I was gonna say if they can get one of those games. I, I'm assuming this win over Houston is in the back, uh, yeah. coming out of bye week, and, and that puts us at eight. All we need is a half a victory, one more win. <laughs> I don't think you can get a half Six games to go on the schedule. If we lose that, that's it. I will never gamble again or recommend that anybody ever get involved in any kind of wagering. So uh, I will there you feel have it. I will feel horrible if this game comes down to the last two oh, division games. Home against the Jets, but I don't think I don't think I you're going to get there, Depot. I, don't I think, think you're going to you'll lock this up with probably three games left yeah. to go. Our audience is counting on us being right about something once every <laughs> other leap year. So <laughs> I hope we're right about this one. All right, you're saying what? Uh, no, uh, Toledo and uh, Ohio yes, uh, over uh, Bowling Green and Ball State. I Don't forgot shock. even what I said here. I, uh, I, I want Toledo. 
<laughs> Toledo and Ohio. That, that, He's Ohio all the way. He's going Ohio. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna go Ohio. ahead and uh, throw that out there, uh, you know, on some ticket and uh, hopefully be screaming. I'll be the one guy left lingering. Exactly. The sports book there as they're closing. During the week. Text yeah. me during the week. I'd love to see the outcomes of that. <laughs> right, yeah, they'll, they'll be they'll be wiping the you know the uh, you know blood stains off of the tables here. <laughs> <and I'll> be... <laughs> Come on, Bowling Green. What the fuck? Who's right, the guy right. face down over there? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, John. Always a pleasure. See you next week, my friend. Great job as always. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys next week. All right, John and Jimmy, ladies and gentlemen, uh, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, mile marker 104 on the Overseas Highway. Our thanks to Hylia Park. Louie's going to carry the ball uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You feel comfortable with that, Mike Louie Lubitz? Sure. There's a lot of ammunition <laughs> out there, man. We didn't get to anything, I mean, in terms of uh, outside of football here. We'll get through. I know that's kind of the uh, plan there on Appeal Yourself Off the Mat Monday, but uh, you have a lot of NBA action. You have all kinds of stuff. The National Hockey League is going. Uh, that thing in Qatar. I mean, are they really going to do that? The World starts Cup? Sunday. Mushnick was great, man, talking about how uh, how many illusions do you think there'll be to the slave labor? Oh, essentially? none. Zero point zero. None. Not once. That's, uh, Not contributed once. to the construction, uh, emergency construction of these arenas that they had to build because nobody can play in the fucking desert. <laughs> I mean, what kind of insanity is this? I mean, who, who mandated this? The red wave, probably, you know, is, is happy about it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, will they mention any of these atrocities during the broadcast? What no, no not once. You would think Fox they would Sports. at least say, you know, rest in peace, all those actors their lives yeah. put on this. No, no. Did they put not. the 7,000 names on the screen there? Yeah, exactly. No, they won't be doing that. No, no. No, no memorial for these no, there's people? No, way. no way they mentioned no. it once. It'll be, uh, it'll be peaches and cream the entire time. Exactly. What a wonderful country. My exactly. God. I mean, it's good to be here exactly. in Qatar. <laughs> Look, I, I probably would do it. What would you, Louie, for the money? What do you think? It's like the uh, live tour people that we're condemning. If they <laughs> sent you out there, if soccer was your game, you were Phil Shane. I don't know. And they sent you to Qatar to cover the World Cup. And I they said, listen, that's make rough. no mention of anything that's of any importance to humanity. <laughs> Just fluff right over that. Wow, isn't this a fine facility? Exactly. Can you believe these stadiums? God. What the hell has happened to the universe uh, and uh, any semblance of integrity and, uh, and dignity? It, it, it went it went away a long time ago, people. But we're still here. All right, Luby, you you uh, have fun. I'll uh, catch you again. Uh, be back we'll on uh, Friday. Friday. Yes, sir. So um, we'll see you then. And take care of Mike Mayo and, and the uh, lunchbox there. We'll have some fun. Uh, and, and we'll have to have him go to, uh, I think it's called uh, Il Capriciosa. Okay. Or Oso or something like that. Guy was very nice. Uh, never judge a place by uh, the service to big parties, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's hard. We had like six lasagna orders, and uh, they only had two left after oh, they uh, had waited an hour to come back out and say, hey, oh, listen, uh, <laughs> you want to take a look at the menu here? We don't have this stuff. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little annoying. There, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, regardless of how well-intentioned, you know, you're sitting there, uh, you know, the flowers are already in the punch on the party. You're thinking, I'm not hungry. Can we just get a pizza to go and, and get the fuck out of here? Uh, but uh, no, the food itself, very good. I, I, I would give it another shot. But big parties, discuss that with Mayo. That's one of his pet peeves. We were talking about party. that today, you get 12 p.m. right here. All right, uh, we will see you guys. Uh, Luby will see you tomorrow. And, and thanks, everybody. And Luby will see you later on today with Mike Mayo's Lunchbox, 12 yes. o'clock here on South Florida Live. For Luby and uh, John Kajemi and uh, all of our guests, Brett Tesler, right here on the program. I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, we'll see you next time as we leave you now that. The time. It's 9.06.
Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.